Hi, hello, and happy belated Thanksgiving from Badass Records Podcast. I'm your host, Blair Johnson, and I am happy to welcome you to another episode of the podcast, which, if you are so inclined, you can keep track of via Twitter, uh, Instagram, or the website itself, which is badassrecordspodcast.com. If you're interested in doing an in-person episode with me here in KC, uh, hit me up, badassrecordspodcast at gmail.com. It's badassrecordspodcast at gmail.com. Appreciate you stopping by. Hope you enjoy the show. One last little spot up in that corner uh, for you to sign when we're done, which would make this episode 94 of the Badass Records podcast. All right. Um, hanging out with Andrew Morris. How's it going? Hey, it's going good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here. Um, as we were uh, just discussing, um, it remains a bit of a mystery how uh, we, I mean, I don't know if i was on billy's page or what but somehow i came across your stuff and you know i think there's something about uh, me and my music that sort of gets into people before they even know who i am it's sort of like comes to them in a dream and then they wake up in the morning and like, <laughs> I, I need to contact right Morris right for, for i like badass it badass records uh, podcast. It's just, <laughs> nice. i mean it's not the first time it's happened i'm just saying that right right uh, well, thank you for being here. Um, much appreciated. Um, you, uh, information-wise, as far as stuff that you gave me, um, something of an anomaly in that um, I have a few details here and there, but a lot of it's sparse. And um, so, if I fudge something, please correct me. Um, but the match sellers. Yeah, the match sellers is. Uh yeah, kind of my main group. I met uh, Julie, my wife, uh, about 11 years ago, and we were, oh, living in Germany after college. I got a, a scholarship teaching English, and she did too. I'm from a small town in Indiana called Warsaw. Okay. Warsaw, Indiana. And so, I think I just connected a, a later dot, but go oh, ahead. Oh, okay. Go ahead. All right. Well, yeah, and then so then uh, she's from Kansas City, and so uh, she got uh we we both got placed by this program in the same city and uh yeah i just wound up becoming friends and playing music yeah. nice i uh so, so i feel like i saw something slightly more descriptive than scholarship when it comes to what you're over there doing but the name of the term is escaping me right now uh, who is who is the program through and what was it uh, it's through, it was like a partnership between, uh, the U S government and the German government. Okay. So on the U S side, it was called the Fulbright scholarship there and on is. the, uh, the German side, I can't remember. It was like the, like the, the Amt für, für politische Ausbildung or, or kulturelle right. <laughs> Austausch or something like that. And, um, uh, uh yeah so that was that was so you're uh, over there through a, u a university 
Uh, no, this was after I finished okay, university. Okay. So this is kind of, it was uh, described as like a cultural uh, ambassadorship where essentially I was working with a couple different schools as sort of this like weird token American uh, where it was like, oh, hey, uh, you know, I, I would just work with teachers to put on, put together different uh, kind of classes, and we'd, I don't know, we'd do like lessons on like Tony Hawk or whatever, and do a kickflip, uh, <laughs> right? And music and whatnot, and all the kids were. I remember when I was over there, they were like, "Oh, you're from America, like, if, like, what's Justin Bieber like?" Because, it's because my next door neighbor, right? Exactly, just over there in Canada. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but yeah, it was kind of an interesting deal because the. Uh, you know, the German kids consume a lot of American media. And so I think there's this, it was this active attempt to kind of like bring, like bridge, just, just kind of create more cultural understanding so that these younger kids, and I was working with like fifth through 10th graders. Wow, that's quite um, a swing. Yeah, big big swaths. Just, just so that they could, you know, maybe encounter you know a foreigner or an american or kind of a real live person you know and sort of realize that oh maybe they're not quite like what you see all my kids watched how i met your mother so it's like maybe americans aren't all like this how i met your mother person and uh and i think i could you know bring a little bit of whatever real unique cultural stuff to these students so it's kind of like having i was an basically an assistant teacher so okay. it's kind of like having like an exchange teacher uh uh yeah in in the classrooms nice so so sometimes if the german teachers would have a question about certain grammatical stuff or about certain things like that cultural issues that they're trying to teach the kids that may or may not be true you know they could ask yeah. me i would be like the i was just an expert just because of where i was born which yeah. was kind of cool right <laughs> and is this all is in the instruction happening in german uh yeah most uh, most of the instruction was in german so i mean some of it was in english i you know they have like foreign language classes sure. too so i was like uh, did you arrive to the program fluent uh, I studied German in college. Okay. That was my major, yeah. So, oh, wow. So I knew, and I lived in, I did an exchange year uh, in college. Okay. Uh, and, like staying uh, with a host family or? No, I was in, uh, I was in like a flat with uh, two Germans and this guy from Iceland. Wow. Uh, and uh, yeah, but I was, I was like matriculated in the German university, which was, which was pretty cool. It was really, really challenging because I didn't know very much German when I showed up. I had, ha- I didn't take it in high school. I just had like two years of German in college, and then I went over there, and it was very difficult at the beginning because um, they just like threw you in there. Wow! And you know we were reading like Kafka, and we we're reading like whatever the Czech German political relationship, et cetera, and Edvard Benish. And it was just really, really challenging, but it was really good because I, I, I learned a whole, whole lot and I had, I had to learn a lot really fast. I so bet. it was good. It was good. I, I enjoyed it and I, I love it. And I go back to Germany anytime. I, I, I love the culture, love the people. Love, yeah. Love. 
Have you, uh, you know, in the whole uh, use it or lose it department, have you have you maintained some semblance of fluency? Do you have an opportunity to practice? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, I have a couple buddies still over there. One of my good friends uh, just got married to a Canadian and in Quebec last year, and okay. so I went out there and uh, got to speak a little bit with him and with his family. And from time to time, I'll still watch like uh, the German news and um, and and understand it. Um, yeah, yeah, most of it. There's like two different kinds of uh, when you're learning a foreign language. There's like your active vocabulary and your passive vocabulary. Sure. So like the active stuff is the stuff that you know how to recall and say, uh, and that amount of vocabulary kind of like has diminished for me more so if I'm just talking I like try to think of a word and sometimes it won't come to me but my passive vocabulary which is just what like if somebody says a word I I can generally recognize it and my sister has like a German foreign exchange student right now uh, in Indiana uh, and we uh, had a little family get together a month ago and I was practicing my German sure. with her and yeah. stuff, and so it's it it it's okay. It's not as good as it was, but but I can right. I can still hang and cool. converse. And you know. um, now, if you travel back to Indiana, Indiana, are you jumping in the car? Are you getting on a plane? What's that travel look like? Yeah, mostly driving because I'm from the small town, and there's really not a good airport close by. Okay, I mean Indianapolis is like two hours away, and Chicago is like two or three hours away, so. So we just drive. It's like a ten-hour drive. It's kind of a brutal drive, but but straight through. Yeah, usually just do it in a day. Stop in Springfield, Illinois. That's exactly the halfway point. Is the, that uh, home, home of the Simpsons? Well, I don't know. It's it's the home of Abraham Lincoln, though. Okay, okay. Uh, his his adult home, if sure. you will, where he yeah. where he started his law practice. Huh. Wow. But, and so, okay, uh, Fulbright scholarship. Uh, after you're done with school, and then Julie is she mm-hmm. in an identical situation, and you guys just connected, or yeah, pretty much. She's in a totally identical situation, and we were just over there, and I was looking to play some music. I was I've always been looking to play some music with whoever, and uh, turned out she was a great violinist, and so we just started like playing together with this German guy named Kevin and uh just started like busking on the street and uh just just kind of playing for fun like with and, an upside down hat for yeah tips. with an upside down hat for tips and uh you know we throw a little I, I lived in this really cool area uh in a city called Leipzig in this area it was called Plogwitz and at that time it was so cool I mean there were like all these like it was so cheap to live there nice all these artists moving there and there were abandoned like factories and these like crazy parties that people were throwing in these abandoned factories and like i remember there was this french guy named guillaume who just showed up at our flat for like a month (laughs) and he like all he did was like smoke weed and ride a unicycle and it was just like okay this guy's got it figured out i was like that's cool (laughs) nice so wow, it was it was it was, a, it was a lot of fun. So we we threw parties and uh, just played music and 
and then I had to go work and yeah. <laughs> try to yeah. try to be respectful. Yeah. So. Um, good uh, food and beer and whatnot over there. I mean, I know there's fun things to do, but I mean, just your everyday, you know, grabbing bites and having drinks. I mean, oh yeah, it was it was amazing. Great food, great beer, cool. great people, and uh, yeah, you know, it was kind of an interesting time in my life because the first time I went to Germany. I loved it so much when I was at, at the university. Uh, all I wanted to do when I got back to the States was like, whatever I can do, I got to get back to Germany. Wow. Like That's, that's like cool. what I got to do. But then actually when I wound up there, I was pretty bummed out. I really w- didn't have that good of a time the second time around. Even though I met Julie and was playing music, it, like it was just this fact that I was working this job I just didn't like, right. you know, and I kind of, came to this whatever realization that was like you know you can really love being in a place but if you don't like what you're doing where you are doesn't really matter right you know and so i was like it was kind of at that point where i was like you know i've always always wanted to do music and fortunately julie uh you know was just like hey you know we're like 22 23 let's just give it a shot what's the worst that can happen and so after uh, my contract I, I had an option to renew my contract but i i didn't and uh i had a job offer to be like a german teacher in indiana and i and julie was like you can always be a middle school german teacher like let's just go on the road and so so we just got in our car and just kind of toured full-time for like seven years which is pretty cool yeah what yeah so really yeah toured yeah. full-time for seven years playing music yeah yeah i'm I, we got back to indiana and my i didn't have a car or a guitar and uh uh my little brother had just got this job at this rake factory where he still works at and i was like i was like jeffrey please like can I have it was it would it was our grandpa's car who had passed away that had like a I mean it was a it was a wreck I mean but Jeffrey had it to drive to work and since he had a job and I didn't he was like okay you can take the car and I'll buy a car oh wow so my little brother Dang. came through and nice. he, he bought a he shouts bought a little, out to a little bro way to go Jeffrey thank you right. <laughs> you're up here oh oh thank you. <laughs> that's awesome though so yeah so jeffrey bought a little car and uh i got our old grandpa's uh truck and we toured in that for a long time and you're playing what kind of oh at the beginning it was just a total shit show it was oh i don't know if i can say that Uh, online radio absolutely it was at the beginning it was just a total shit show i mean we were playing whatever yeah and we we didn't know how to book we didn't know what to charge we didn't know like are you like rolling into towns and like we're here can we can we play at your place basically it worked out we had a friend in a place and we'd just call up our buddy and just be like oh we had like three friends living in austin texas for example and so we were just like well let's just go down there and play an open mic right. and bum make, on the make floor sure you and grab the unicycle and the weed we, we gotta go <laughs> <Right>? yeah <laughs> so we started doing that and then uh you know just i mean we would get on yelp and just find we would just 
email every little shop wherever we were going because if we had a place to crash then that, that was what it was about yeah but it was really hard for the first year i mean we did not make any money and it was i mean but it, you're getting it was really tight for about two years and then in the third year we finally started like we realized oh if we go to a brewery they'll pay us a couple hundred bucks you right know, like wow before we were always just like, I mean, whatever you want to give yeah. us. And then people are like, okay, you can just. Dinner. <laughs> maybe you'd get dinner, right. maybe not. Right. And then you just hope people would show up and put some money in the so head. So this is the two of you. Mm-hmm. You're in a relationship. Yeah. You're on the road. You're in a vehicle crashing wherever you're crashing. And, uh, you know, the whole uh, husband and wife that, work together or the curiosity the natural curiosity i think is don't you guys get sick of each other and 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 not having that sort of daily separation piece uh in theory uh could could ramp up the potential for disagreement but you guys are just making it work yeah i mean yeah like anybody yeah we had disagreements and stuff like that but um you know all in all, I th- we really both had a r- great time. I mean, uh, I was, I just, I really, really liked Julie, and I really liked being around Julie, and I always, like, kind of think it's, like, to me, it seems a little odd when, I, I mean, I, I understand when you need, like, separation sure. from people. I totally get that, but I get along so, we get along so well. I mean, and obviously, we argued about stuff and of course. Wor- worked through issues we had uh but i f- i really f- and i think julie feels like this too i think it was a true um blessing yeah. that we got to spend so much time together cheers you to know? you guys and Man, uh that feels like uh if we we come out okay on the other side of this we can take on anything kind of thing yeah yeah kind of like that and i don't know i've I I just I just love we like doing the same stuff we like hanging out I cool. just I just like love being with Julie and there's um, I don't know to me it doesn't really seem weird to me it just seems like uh, I mean this is kind of the person I want to hang out yeah. with you yeah. know most of the time very cool except so, for uh, you know little times but yeah right um, so how did you arrive on the name the match setters. Yeah, the match sellers came from sellers. I'm sorry, I said setters. I think twice now. Match oh. sellers. Uh, yeah, the match sellers. When I was living in Germany, there I was really into like the Weimar. Like I studied the Weimar era, which is so like World War One happened, and when the monarchy kind of collapsed, Germany set up this republic, and it was based in the city of Weimar. So it's called the Weimar Republic, and. Um, I was I kind of studied that period of German history and I just loved that era. There was a lot of really cool art and stuff that was happening and I really felt like it was kind of related to like contemporary American mm. culture and like politics and stuff. It was like super radicalized. Uh I mean obviously there were right wingers like the Nazi party that came up and like hardcore left winger communist uh uh, stuff, but just some just really cool art that came out of that period. And uh, one, uh, anyway, uh, one guy it was a guy named Otto Dix, 
O-T-T-O-D-I-X is his last name. And he, uh, I just love this guy's paintings. He was a painter. Cool. And he did all sorts of just really interesting, uh, sort, sort of dark paintings uh, of, of kind of dealing with like the trauma of world war one and stuff he was a soldier and uh, so he had this painting that i really really liked that was called der streichholzhändler which is the match seller ah. and uh this painting was of a war cripple like a world war one vet who like i i can't remember i think his like legs are blown off and Jeez. one of his arms blown off and he's uh, the painting ha- has a view of just him, this like kind of war cripple, sort of uh, just whistling on the on the street, and he's selling matches, trying to make money, and and apparently this was a very kind of common thing that was happening in in the Weimar era, uh, was you know you had all of these like soldiers from World War One that you know Germany was so deep in debt that they couldn't. Uh, really afford to take care of you know a lot of these like war veterans and stuff so uh that was like a big big issue in the time and um so anyway this this painting was of this this uh, this guy this veteran selling matches and the the shot the, the the perspective is so cool because the guy's whistling a tune and there's you just see the feet of people like stepping over him and walking past oh, him. Oh man, he's not even in a wheelchair or anything. No, damn. And uh, and there's like a dog that's like peeing on him. Oh boy. And uh, it's uh, and I don't know. I just I just liked that. Uh, I just liked that picture, and I thought something about I don't know. Back in the day, I was maybe a little bit <laughs> a little more pie in the sky, but I I sort of felt that this guy whistling this tune and sort of the the worthlessness of this guy in the perspective of this of this uh painting related to uh kind of the the value the devaluation of like culture and music music in particular because this guy's whistling a tune the, the which also suggests that in in this the thick of all this ugh he's got some optimism yeah, Some yeah. Soul fuel, you know. That's that's a very positive way to look at it, and that is not the way I looked at <laughs> it at all. But, but I love it. But, but yeah, so my kind of thought was that yeah, music had sort of been uh, the the value of culture had kind of been degraded with the rise of the internet and and uh, right uh, things like this. Yeah, I don't know if I really believe that, but it, it was a, it was at least a thought I makes had. for a good story. It was at least a thought I had, but. Um, um so anyway i was like i was like anyway that's where the name okay okay have you uh uh seen the uh norm mcdonald stand-up bit about germany i have not no and there's no way i can do it justice but uh i mean r.i.p in peace to the late great norm mcdonald but uh he's like i don't don't know if you guys know this but uh, a little history lesson for you so uh that's a pretty good Norman. World War One, uh, this country of uh, Germany, uh, and then uh, the, the Warrens, and we all everybody. Uh, all right, Germany, here, take some money and fix your, and then 
about 20 years later, the uh, country of Germany. <laughs> and then everybody's like, you know, all right, here, here you go, reparation. And he's like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm keeping my eye on this Germany. <laughs> um, but Match Sellers, uh, Facebook page and the matchsellers.com is the website. Um, and a high stakes, rollicking American string band that formed in Germany. Yeah. The little tagline there, which is whoever put that phrasing together, good good job. I think it was AI. Was it really? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So born and raised Indiana? Yep. yep. Okay. Uh little brother at the rake store that gives you grandpa's truck. Any other yeah. siblings? Uh yeah, I have an older sister. Okay. Yep. Yep. And uh do you know how your folks met? Um, uh, how my parents met, mm-hmm. I, what, what happened? <laughs> okay. I, it was, I think my mom was looking for a job and my dad was like a headhunter. Oh. And, uh, I think my dad got my mom a job and then... My mom didn't show up for the interview or something. Funny. And, uh, yeah. So. Okay. So uh, when you guys are young, are they were they putting on music in the home to listen to? Not really. Okay. My parents are not musical people. I mean, I mean, my mom actually played uh, piano, uh, but she didn't really play when I was growing up. She liked listening to the radio and she liked sure. uh she liked uh yeah listening to pop music and uh my dad is really not musical he's, okay he's terrible but he did introduce me to like two really good bands okay which were uh the cars i remember he got a rick okasic all right be in peace and, and devo Okay. Wow. So what a what a combo. I know. I was like, good job, Dad. I know. My dad really not not the most musical person, but of all the bands to introduce me to, those are like two of my Solid. favorite bands. Yeah. Those are great. Yeah. Um, and two interesting bands uh, for for my sake. In that, um, as as I was sharing with you, you know, uh, being. Uh, a music lover for as long as I can remember. Um, it's interesting to me, uh, you know, if your folks do listen to music when you're young, it's kind of like, that's, that's just the music in your life. And then yeah. at some point you sort of begin to venture down your own path and, um, you know, uh, build your own taste. Maybe, maybe you start a collection. So, um, in, in that sense, you know, the, uh, 60s and 70s um, were sort of, you know, uh, a big, big spot for the album. You know, mm-hmm. you got, um, especially the 70s, a lot of double albums coming out. Uh, cars were putting out some great records in the 70s. Um, and then the 80s, that the concept of an album continued, but the music shifted quite a bit to into you know new wave and post-punk and, and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, synthy kind of uh, technology rooted sorts of things and you know grunge in the 90s and so on and so forth to de- to today um depending on who you talk to it's been my experience that there is a, a pocket of the population that 
um, doesn't necessarily value the album in mm. a way that at least I do. Um, you know, you have some folks that are no, I just I, I drop singles once a yeah. you know every six months or whatever it is. Um, so I'm curious if um, there was a an album that you first fell in love with or mm. acquired or heard via a sibling or a friend. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when I was when I was in high school, we were like going to Sam Goody and buying CDs. And, yep. And but you know, people were still burning CDs and making little like kind of whatever CD mixtapes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of first kind of album that I maybe really fell in, really liked, I, w- I was maybe like 14 or 15 and my older sister would drive me to school and uh, in the CD player, she had the, the that Sublime CD. No kidding. Uh, the 40 one, Ounces to Freedom. 40 Ounces to Freedom. Okay. And so, and at first I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it because I, I was into ACDC and I was, you know, I was like 14 and had my own things that I liked. And at first I didn't really like it, but it was her car and she was driving and the and she listened to it all the time. And, sure. the, and the more we went back and forth, I was just like. Now, 40 Ounces to Freedom is has got, I smoked two joints before I smoked two joints. Yeah. And then there's Self-Titled, which is the tattoo. Oh. Right? Yeah. And that you, one, I mean. It's the one that has the the. Uh, uh, down in Mississippi, where the sun beats down from the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They give it up and they give it up yeah. and they give it up, but they never ask why. Uh, whatever that one is, I don't. I want to say that's the self-titled. I think it's the self-titled with the with the tattoo on the yep, back. Yep, yep. And you get like uh, I don't practice Santeria. Uh, and then it the, had to be that one. It's the riot one. April 26, yes, 1992. Yes. There was a riot on the street. Tell me, where were you? Like that. <laughs> album blew up and i don't know if it was at, at the time or if it's hindsight or but there was like a for you know people wanted to hate on it and i was mm. like he's sort of putting you know rock and punk and you know there's some scratching happening and there's a lot of cool things that he's made that they've made mm. come together and so, I mean, I hate on if you want, but it's, I mean, it's a great record in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, that's interesting because I think I'm like a little too young to understand the associations of like what Sublime meant. Right, you know? right. Uh, and, uh, and even just a little one, this one, it's, it sounds like one string, you know, just single <laughs> notes. Like that's a heck of a riff, man. Yeah. Like kudos, you know, it doesn't all have to be Joe Satriani and Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I liked, I, I liked that album a lot. Same. And, and you know, I, I think there's there's different kinds of music. Music hits you differently. Like sometimes you hear something and just immediately it's like, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm into. Uh, but sometimes you hear something and you don't really dig it or you don't really get it and you have to listen to it multiple times but but the more you listen to it then all of a sudden like at a certain point something clicks and you go like ah and i think for me that album was the first time that that experience had happened to me cool i think before that when i was younger you know i just i loved acdc i loved the let there be rock album with like angus young 
and that light coming down from heaven on him playing the guitar on that album cover. ACDC made a lot of good records. I I loved ACDC. I still love ACDC. But that was stuff that, as whatever, a teenage boy, I just freaking loved. I just could listen to it and like, yeah. Now, now I, I've said this before, and maybe I said it to Billy, I don't know. Um, but one of my all-time favorite ACDC songs is one that I would encourage, you know, a variety of musicians in different genres to consider covering, and it's Ride On. Do you know that one? Ride On? I don't know that it's one. It's like chill and like bluesy. Um, and heartfelt, and it's really gorgeous. Oh, yes, to, to, is, um, is that a Bon Scott or is that uh, Brian Johnson? I think it's Brian play? Johnson. Okay. Um, See, I was I was always of the opinion that like once Brian Johnson came on, ACDC just really went downhill. Well, downhill might be a tiny bit harsh. I mean, uh, <laughs> he's he's on Back in Black, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's Brian a good Johnson. record. Yep, that's the first one he was on. Yeah, and it's not a bad record. But I, wa- I want to say I'm not positive, but I want to say Ride On is on uh, Who Made Who. Okay, which is uh, the soundtrack album. to Maximum Overdrive, the movie, I believe. It's where like mm-hmm. machines take. It's like the vending machine is alive and uh, whatever. It's not. I'm not. That sounds like an awesome movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it is. I mean, you know, in ACDC, a lot of good records, a lot of good instrumentation, a lot of great vocals, but, you know, uh, they were also, you know, kind of hitting on or near that sort of token timestamp track length, you know, four (laughs) and a half minutes. Oh, they had their thing and they did it, but they perfected it. Yeah, but Ride On is like longer Hmm. and it's got, I mean... Oh, dude, it's so good. All right, I, I, we recently worked up a cover of uh, "It's a Long Way to the Top." Ooh, if you want to rock and roll, okay, stuff. but maybe maybe we'll have to add "Ride On" um, for the really hardcore fan, even more hardcore than me. So. Well, it's you know, I mean, we're talking. That's the you know, and they the there's a couple little dun 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 dun, and they build up, and it's like, oh, dude, it's so good. Um, that's great though. I love, uh, I love that sublime record too. How about, Oh yeah, that's, that's before you ask that question, that's just what I wanted to say is that record was the first time that that happened to me where I, I didn't immediately like it, but the more I listened to it, I, I'm glad you said that because I have had, uh, that experience, but I've also had, uh, the experience where, uh, somebody here, you know, gives me, uh, 20 burn CDs all albums just not you know mm. original copies and listen to they're all you know acts i've heard of and i put and listen to and it's like it's not for me and then 15 years later i'm like i don't i have no explanation whatsoever for why this did not jive with me when it did yeah, and weird. it doesn't matter yeah but it's a it's a fascinating phenomenon to 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 consider because you know it I think the message is I'm not the same person I was in 2004 when I first yeah. tried to listen to uh, My Morning Jacket or whoever. But know. it's interesting because that phenomenon can happen not only over huge expanses of time, like 15 years, but also like the next day or right. even a couple hours. Right. Like there's like, you know, you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like, 
I don't know, whatever, putting on ACDC, maybe mm-hmm. you want to listen to Chet, Chet Baker or right. something, you know? Uh, but then, yeah, you, you, your mood can affect why. You well, yeah. Cause, um, you know, uh, forever until recently, um, listening to music was a, a much more intentional activity. Mm. And, you know, the invention of the home stereo and the car stereo and now having everything mm. on our phones and where, I mean, it's, you could, uh, quite frankly, just be in the wrong kind of mood. Um, and yeah. the next day is different and it hits you differently. I mean, it's, yeah. it's wild. How about first show or, or first memorable show? First memorable show, uh, for me that I that I saw first show I saw was uh, in the park the city park of Warsaw the parks department brought through th- uh three dog night nice jeremiah uh, was a bullfrog jeremiah was a bullfrog and what else what well, they had one other big one i that's you the only one, no that's the same I, song no yeah that is the same song yeah but that's the only one i remember but uh, i was i was pretty young and i remember they came through and i thought it was just kind of cool how everybody got together and uh, the whole town got together and watched this band. And everyone, it was so weird as a kid because everybody got so excited about Three Dog Night, but I didn't know who Three right. Dog Night was. And like, I didn't get why now at this moment everybody was talking about Three Dog Night and everybody was singing Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog, but like, six months ago or before the show was announced, nobody was talking yeah, about it. Never and I had heard of these guys. Yeah. I was like, I was like, okay, now all of a sudden these guys like are so special and change your life. And I had, and well, it was just my, my, my kid brain thinking sure. that it was, it was now, is this a, was this a show that the family went to? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Went to just out in the park. And, uh, I just remember it just got dark and everyone was dancing and i mean in warsaw indiana like people just don't really do that <laughs> you know it's like a little you know little conservative town and you just you just don't really cut loose yeah you know you just, you just you just don't really do it yeah and then uh yeah, Three Dog Night came through, and I like think I saw like my mom and my dad kind of dancing, and I was like, oh, my God, I've never seen anything folks. like this. <laughs> what about uh, intentionally, like sort of as a, as a older person than you were for that experience, uh, first show, like with buddies or? Yeah, let's see, first show with buddies. Um, you know, this, is, this isn't a show, but my... I, I played in kind of a blues rock band in high school and my bass player and I were just like really into all the Chicago blues cats, Buddy Guy okay. and Muddy Waters. Nice. And we drove all the way to Chicago when I was like 16 and we went We went to Kingston Mines. We wanted to go to Kingston Mines because that's like the blues club. Sure. And... uh I I don't know who was playing, maybe like Duke Tomato or somebody hmm. was playing, and I was like, I just like really wanted to go, and I remember, like we got there, and like the band is playing, and like of course we're like sixteen and seventeen, and they're not gonna let us into this bar, but I just like went up to the guy at the at the the at the door and was like, I 
drove all the way from like Indiana, like two hours. Like, I don't want to drink anything. I just want to like sit in the back and listen to this music. And obviously the bouncer's like, get out of here, kid. (laughs) What are you guys doing? I don't care if you drove from Germany, buddy. Get out of here. (laughs) Right. But yeah, no. So it kind of just sat on the, kind of sat on the side and, uh, and, uh, listened to some of the music from the outside. And then we lost our car and drove back. But, uh, uh, but, uh, that was a good show. I, I, it was a good time. I don't know. I guess maybe the show was sure. good. I didn't really see it. Sure, but, uh, but you got to you could hear it, kind of right. Yeah, yeah, we could hear it a little bit, but not. It, yeah, it was after like ten minutes. You're like, this is kind of lame. We gotta right. get out of here. Yeah. It's getting dark. It's getting cold. <laughs> but I went with a buddy and uh, his dad to go see uh, George Thorogood. One oh time wow! In, in Elkhart, Indiana. Okay, and that was kind of more. Of you know, I was in high school, and that was a little bit more of a a show, yeah, that I wanted to go see. The but, Delaware Destroyers, yeah, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, George Thurgood and the Destroyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, the thing was, growing up in Warsaw, there just was not a lot of music, you know, and there just wasn't a lot of you know opportunity to really see stuff and uh it wasn't i guess until i mean that was those three things i just said were probably all the live music i saw until i was 18 you know okay uh and then when i got to college in bloomington indiana it was really cool because that that's iu right that's iu yeah and there would be these amazing house parties and you'd go walk around and like there'd be some band on tour from Philadelphia playing in just some dingy basement. Wow. You know, and they're, you know, a keg and you buy a cup for five bucks yeah. or whatever. I, you know, I don't even remember any of the bands I saw. Sure. But I, I don't remember their names is what I'm trying to say. But, you know, I remember like one was this like zombie punk band from Philadelphia that I really specifically remember put on this just absolutely killer show right in a in this basement i want to do uh, that and yeah i was like man that is that is cool uh and then uh yeah and then seeing like theatrical productions and stuff i was like wow this is this is yeah. cool and uh so yeah. you go from um uh mom and dad who aren't necessarily uh the biggest music aficionados to high school when you're playing in a blues band what was the the first point of musicianship or playing an instrument or owning how did that come to be yeah my well i played trumpet in middle school in seventh grade and trumpet is obviously just not that cool and so, don't tell Miles Davis that, man. <laughs> yeah, well, of course he went. You know, when I was like in seventh grade, it wasn't right, that cool. Right. Uh, I don't think this is gonna get me laid, but yeah. and uh, but uh, the the summer between seventh and eighth grade, I had a friend, Jill Swank, and she had gotten a guitar and she didn't learn how to play it, and I really wanted a guitar, and my dad, you know, it's Warsaw, small town. Not everybody knows everybody, but, you know, small town. And so Jill's dad talked to my dad and was like, hey, you know, 
Jill doesn't want to play this guitar anymore. Would Andrew want to play it? And and of course I'm like, yeah, my dad bought this guitar for like 20 bucks, nice. 25 bucks. And it came with a little book that had, uh, you know, simple chords. Sure. Uh, like, like the three treble strings. You play the G by just fretting on the third fret of the first string. And so I learned like G, C, and D just on those three strings. You can almost play free falling with those. <laughs> right. And so I remember asking my dad, I was like, I really, yeah, I would like a guitar. And that opportunity came up and he was like, well, uh, I'll, I'll buy it. Uh, but yeah, it's $25 and what, what he, he gave me some sort of deal. Like if you, do, if you, uh, got to rake the leaves, if, if you learn, if you actually learn how to play something okay. and like, in a month, you know, uh, then, uh, you know, you can think about getting another guitar because this, oh. it didn't fret above the fourth fret. You know? Oh, interesting. Okay. I think it was some deal like that, but I don't think he actually ever got me another guitar because I, well, no, maybe I did get one for Christmas. I think I got a little, uh, Epiphone sure. SG cause I wanted to be Angus. You know, yeah. Yeah. Epiphone yeah. SG. So, no. uh, so that, that first one from Jill is no longer in your possession. No, I think it's gone. I I think I gave it to somebody or maybe I smashed it on stage at one point. <laughs> I don't know. But it Very was nice. I mean it was terrible. I work on instruments now and it was like I mean it worked. You could play up to the fourth fret. But okay. if you went above okay. the fourth fret it buzzed. There was huge Huh. It had all sorts of fret issues and all sorts of neck issues. So this is so. an electric? It was an acoustic. Oh, an acoustic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but it buzzed. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, and but so that's summer of going into eighth, and then by the time you're in high school, you're in a band. Yeah. Yeah. Then you know you just meet other kids who are into music, and I had this good buddy Ethan Bartman who lives in Ohio now and plays in a really sweet psych rock band called Water Witches. Okay. But. Um, yeah, I mean, he and I, we were hanging out and playing. Uh, you know, you just wind up meeting kids in in school, and it's like you see someone with a Pink Floyd T-shirt, and you're like, what? You got to talk to that guy. I, I, yeah, I, I like Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he was there, this guy, Billy Music. Uh, he doesn't really play out much anymore, but he was an amazing musician, and... Uh, you don't by chance know a guy named Scott Reed, do you? Scott Reed, I don't, I don't know if I do. I, he he, uh, I actually talked to him on the phone last night. He works on instruments out of his house, mm. um, and uh, is going to come do one of these. Um, and oh, cool. has recently started. I learned last night started a YouTube channel. Oh, um, and doing different things. And some of the sounds like he's got you know a nice little view count on some of them and oh, a cool. decent subscription. So I just, you know, Scott Reed. Yeah. yeah um, that. you know, I think largely he focuses on horns. Mm. Um, and I, I was not really, a, I thought that was like a sort of a side hustle, but I mean, it's this full-time deal. And he's had, he was telling me a couple of couple or three acts that like have come through town and it's like, Hey, uh, so-and-so's sax is, acting up and they bring it out you know and it's like oh damn wow very nice i mean yeah instrument repair work i work at a violin shop doing instrument repair now and uh it's 
not very many people know how to how to I, do it. That's exactly and, what I was thinking. And it's like it's pretty skilled labor, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, there's it seems like there's more work. Every time I go to a show, I almost kind of don't want to tell people that I work on instruments because I'll go to a show and there's always somebody that's like, "Oh man, look at my guitar. Look at this. Look at that." And uh, which is cool. I like working on them, you know, and I'm glad I know how to do it. Right. But, uh, uh, I, I kind of got more into it, you know, to make a little money when we were off the road. I sure. started working for a shop in town and fixing some stuff, and then that shop closed, and I built a guitar and did some some of that stuff. And how does where does one start when you decide you're going to build a guitar? Um, well, I mean, I had started at the shop, so I had done some light repair setup yeah. stuff like that but you're and talking then, about from scratch right like well this one i may, maybe i've oversold myself oh, here sorry. a little bit but this one i i just got a kit i got a guitar kit from Stu mac and and uh you know it comes with uh, the sides are pre-bent mm. um and the top and the back are thicknessed and the neck fits in well and and the the, the blocks are kind of done on a CNC machine so they're they're you know roughly there but um but yeah so you don't have to like go chop down the tree right but, uh, but yeah no so it was it was it was fun it was I still have that guitar I, I I played a lot and um uh yeah it's great great learning experience cool. you learn how to like you know, set the neck angle, which is hard to do. You learn how to do the braces. You learn how to do all the binding. You learn how to wow. do all the, you know, positioning the bridge and intonating uh, uh, the saddle. And uh, um, you might as well be speaking German to me right now, because yeah, it's like, I mean, it's a uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. Of, but but t- it's tuning a guitar is mildly overwhelming to me so i mean yeah. you're 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 talking light years ahead of anything that i understand but it all sounds yeah. super cool <laughs> that's that's my mo i just want to sound cool that's my, <laughs> it's like the number one thing i've Mission been like, accomplished trying i've been trying my whole life finally right, right? <laughs> um so blues band playing guitar in high school uh but you have since moved on from the guitar is that accurate you, I mean, I still play guitar. I still play guitar and uh, match sellers. I mostly play guitar. Okay. Now, what did you? You came over wearing I, an instrument. Yeah, that's a mandolin. I that, didn't know what kind of what kind of operation you were running here, what, Blair. So I just it was. Uh, I mean, it's uh, you know the world is your oyster. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you want to get it out and mess around with it now or later, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Um, we'll get it out here in a little <clears> bit. Pick a pick a tune. But. So. All right, band trajectory, match sellers, uh, cool painting of the vet, um, and ultimately, uh, you sent me a list of mm. albums. Oh, I don't um, even remember what was on there. That's my favorite when folks say that. It oh. just makes it <laughs> right, raw good. and fresh. Now, uh, and this is uh, also uh, quite the anomaly mm. um, in that if we if we take your five. And your honorable mentions, I know two artists. The rest oh, really? are like, what? Um, so typically, I like to roll through them uh, chronologically in, in year, you know, release order, mm. um, which means we're going to start with uh, a record whose title I'm going to totally butcher because mm. it's in German. 
uh, or maybe is in German. Ah. Die Drogen Schnopper. Ah, ah, die Drei Groschen Oper. Very good. Thank the, you. The Three Penny Opera. Kurt, Kurt Weil. Yep, Kurt Weil. Uh, Bertolt Brecht. Bertolt Brecht, you got it. And Lotte Lenya. A lot of Lenya was a, an actress. An actress. Uh, on the, I, th- I think the original production, I want to say. Okay. Uh, but but uh, yeah, Kurt Vile wrote the music and Bertolt Brecht uh, wrote the lyrics. Okay. And the play. It's a musical. Right. Three act musical slash opera from 1958. And not to be confused with one of my current favorite musicians, Kurt Vile. Right. V-I-L-E. Right, right. Kurt Vile and the Violators, um, who has a new record out this month. Oh, does he really? Yeah. His last one um, was last year, and there's so many things that I love about him. Man, um, I love, yeah, Kurt Vile's so cool. Like the, his, his, his last record, uh, the, the title is just... What is it? Watch My Moves. Watch My And it's, it's a parenthetical. <laughs> it's in parentheses, and it's all lowercase... And it just um, uh, appears as a throwaway line in the album's best song by far, in my opinion. Um, Mount Airy Hill is the name of the tune. And it, you know, um, has a rather traditional, uh, you know, verse, verse, chorus, verse, verse, chorus. But at the end of like the second verse, he s- s- sings the last line and then he just kind of goes, "Watch my moves," and, you know, and then does it again later in the song. And that's, <laughs> and that's the, and then the cover as a as a as a dad, he's they're like on a hike, and he's like sitting maybe sitting on a felled tree with his two daughters, and he's got like a goofy like alligator face hat on. Anyway, not that Kurt Vile. This is W E I L L. Tell me about your discovery of this and uh, anything else you are inclined to share about it. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Just one minor correction here. Thank you. You said 1958, but actually the the play originally premiered in 1928. Okay. Okay. So this is in that, I was talking about that Weimar Republic era, and this is in that era of uh, Germany. And so I learned about this opera in college uh, when I was studying German, and it was really really cool um i don't know if you're familiar with the american musical cabaret yeah vaguely but uh, that the sound of that soundtrack is basically ripped off straight from this this three penny opera wow Um, and cabaret was successful yeah cabaret like it's known i mean in this this three penny opera is uh relatively well-known opera in if you're into musicals, there's a the most famous song is the opening song, which is in German Mackie Messa, but you might know it as Mac the Knife. Louis Armstrong did a version of it. Bobby Darin did a version of it back in the back in the day. Okay. Uh, but uh, oh, the shark has pretty teeth, dear. Mm, so that's yeah, that's yeah. the famous tune from here. Uh, but it's just a really cool play or musical. Uh, just really dark. I I really like dark stuff, even though a lot of my stuff is goofy. Uh, I really like dark stuff. Really, really, really critical of uh, you know society of the time. Brecht was a di- was a staunch uh, communist, uh, almost to a fault. Uh, but the mu- the music 
from Kurt Vile is amazing. Uh, the orchestration's amazing. It's kind of like a European Dixieland mm. kind of jazz sort cool. of thing with like a little snare drum and a couple horns. Oh, and, I get uh, into that. Yeah. And uh, man, yeah, the music's just the music's just great. And and what yeah. story wise is happening? Uh, there's a guy Mac the Knife who's kind of a mobster gangster type guy uh, and he this this uh, this lady kind of falls in love with him Mm. uh, but of course he's kind of a slimy character and but it turns out as the play goes on really every character in this play is a a sleazeball like there's no good good character uh and uh, so that's kind of the main story arc. It's this kind of weird anti love story between mm. Mac the Knife and this uh, this uh, I can't remember the lead. Uh, uh, it's Peachum uh, Jeremiah Peachum's daughter. I can't mm. remember her name, but but of course, yeah. So the 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 lead female role. Her father is this uh, Peachum guy who runs this ring of uh, beggars so he like controls all of the streets of berlin cool and so if you want to like be a beggar on the street you have to like go through him and he's got it all he's got this whole like it all mapped out and only if you pay him a certain fee can you like sit on the street and ask for money and form of prostitution right and yeah it's just it's super dark it's it's really smart it's biting uh the music's amazing uh, the Three Penny Opera, yeah, very yeah. cool, very cool. Um, so okay, that makes our leap from your first album to your second even larger. Uh, I was thinking it was you know forty-ish years, but uh, in reality, it's probably seventy because mm. we're gonna go all the way to two thousand two. Oh believe. wow, that was my next one, Loretta Lynn, <laughs> all-time greatest hits. <laughs> nice. Um, this is a great. This is great. <laughs> 60 records this gal has put out um what makes this one special enough to to garner a spot on your list i mean loretta lynn is just the coolest i mean loretta lynn is just the coolest person uh you know i love you know a thing that's kind of similar between the brechtian stuff and the loretta lynn stuff is that they're both aggressive Mm. you know like loretta lynn uh is just right in your face right and just says what she thinks and says what she feels and she doesn't really care what you think about and some of her album titles are like you know just just like you said just on the nose uh no f's given uh here's 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 what i'm thinking and feeling and this is what I'm going to call this thing. Yeah, and I, I love that directness. And that's kind of sort of like Bertolt Brecht is very direct. He, like, you know, critiques uh, the capitalist system. He critiques uh, the the church. He critiques, uh, you know, sexuality, critiques all mm. these things. Uh, and just, you know, like, okay, wow, that's that's kind of uh, aggressive, mm. you know? Uh, and Loretta Lynn's like that too, you know? And uh, and what was your introduction to her music? It was, was a greatest hits album. Okay. I don't even know which one it was, but we, 
you know, we were touring around and I didn't grow up listening to country music. And, um, I just kind of started playing bluegrass when I was in Germany and, uh, met a guy over there who played mandolin. And so I was kind of just trying to get educated on country music and, I was always going around, we'd play these gigs, and I'd always be asking people, you know, who who do I need to listen to, who are you listening to, and Loretta Lynn would come up again and again wow. and again and again, and, uh, and uh, yeah, 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 Loretta Lynn's just so cool. We just worked up one of her tunes here in Topeka, or mm. I think it's called One's on the Way, which was actually written by Shel Silverstein. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it's, you know, just amazing about, like, a single mom. or Well, I guess she has this husband who's out on the town, but she's, like, at home taking care of the kids. And everyone on the news and in the on the radio is talking about how great life is. And there's these people. The girls in New York City are marching for women's lib. Uh, and Better Homes and Garden shows the modern way to live. But here in Topeka, the screen doors bang and the flies are buzzing. Like the the one needs one kid needs a spanking, one kid needs a hugging, and there's one on the way. I'm pregnant with another one right. too. So it's this just really like okay, there's kind of a one sort of cultural narrative going on, and she's over here in her own cultural narrative, which is which is her own truth, you know, her own identity, yeah. going like, hey man. That's not the way I see it. I see it like this, and uh, and and this is this is a true way to view the world right. too. Right. This is this is a true way to view the world yeah. too. What I'm saying is valid. And it takes so so many balls to to do that. And Loretta Lynn's, I don't know. And she's an amazing artist, yes. a true craftsman, great singer. You listen to Loretta Lynn sing one of those songs. And it is it is her song. Sure. Like no one else no one else does it like Loretta Lynn. Once you hear her do a song, that's that's the way you're always gonna hear that song. Right. Is from Loretta Lynn. Yeah. Well, uh I can seldom pass up an opportunity to share a goofy Shell Silverstein story. <laughs> uh very early, like se- second week, uh freshman semester of college. Um, I'm hanging out with these dudes, uh, in their basement dorm room and I'm, there's either some Sonic the Hedgehog or Mortal Kombat being Mm. played on Sega and the sound is turned all the way down and I'm pretty sure we're, we're often listening to the first Candlebox, right? I don't know if you know those guys. (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking Uh, about. I mean, this is, you know, October, September of 1993 um, and it was, you know, I, I didn't ever really explore anything of theirs after this record, but it was a really good record. And some of the, some of the tracks on it have held up in my opinion. But, uh, so there's like five of us sitting around in this basement dorm room passing like three joints mm. and somebody's sitting, uh, there's a little vent in the bottom of the door and somebody's sitting in a chair by that door, just occasionally spraying aerosol right guard. Uh, and, and we maybe were using a dube tube, I don't know, but it didn't take long before like there was some serious banging on the door. And we were all just like, uh-oh, you know? And 
like nobody wanted to get up to answer it and you know guys open the door turn down the music come out here now and it was like all three uh ras and and the rd and we're all just blazed and you know we come out and stand in the hall like what are you guys doing nothing what and they're like oh my god like you're all like people on the third floor buzz yeah. down i mean and you're all like just blazing you know so we got put on residence life probation mm. and uh they're like you're gonna have to go to this class and we we're all like this is crazy like how do what does the damage control look like and our parents can't find out and uh you know uh so when the the weekend for the class came it was like a you know the first half of the morning on a Saturday and it was this dude who just traveled around uh, with an acoustic guitar. He's like an old, an ex hippie and he like played Shel Silverstein's song and sang and played his guitar and he was like, don't do drugs. (laughs) Thank you guys. And I was like, that, that's all we have. All right, cool. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) Anyway, uh, and obviously, you know, uh, put out some incredible, um, so we've got light in the attic, where the sidewalk ends, the missing mm. piece, and there's a for, uh, giving tree. Yeah, the also giving him. tree. Yeah, uh, I know there's more, but those are the those yeah, are the those ones. Are the main one, main ones. Yeah. Um. So a shorter leap from Loretta in 2002 to 2011, um, and a very fascinating uh, duo, um, and I can't read or say this album title without hearing James Hetfield's voice. Okay. Sleep with one eye open. I don't get the reference. Um, uh, Metallica, the Black Album. Oh, sleep with one eye open. Gripping your pillow tight. <laughs> oh, yeah, James Hetfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Chris Thiel. Feely. Th- Feely, yeah. And Michael Davies? Daves? Michael Daves. Michael Daves, 2011. Screw them both up. I, thank you. I was, I'm batting a 1,000. <laughs> 16 right. I didn't I didn't I didn't know the lead singer of Metallica. So there you go. Right. You know, 16 amazing. tracks uh debut record for this duo on none such yep. records. Lots of other tell me again Chris Thiele. Thiele. Chris Thiele. Lots of other projects of his yep. and a few Michael Davies Michael rec- Daves. Michael yeah. Daves, dang it. Yeah. Um what in the world? I mean, these guys uh seem very prolific. It appears that this is the one time they collaborated for right. a release. Yep. Talk to me about these fellas. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're Chris Thiele's probably the greatest living mandolinist. Okay, technically, like he won a MacArthur uh, Award, like one of the Genius Grants. Um, you know, like the 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 whoever our poet laureate is now just won one. I can't remember who. Uh, but at any rate, so Chris Thiele is a total, uh, you know, to- total mandolin virtuoso. Okay. Uh, by far, if you play bluegrass mandolin, Chris Thiele is like the Jimi Hendrix of this whole genre. Okay. Um, Are you today. familiar with Michael Kang? No, I'm not. String Cheese Incident? Mm-mm. I think I think Billy had a string cheese record on his list. Okay. Um, he is, I'm not, uh, you know, maybe there are apples and apples, maybe there are apples and oranges, but he is electric. 
Oh, okay. And he's got the speed of you know a, 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 any stringed in- instrument virtuoso, but with a, a, a Jerry Garcia tone. Ah, oh, nice. It is. I mean, and they've you know over the course of twenty five years, they've evolved into a different thing. But when they were up and coming in Colorado, I could I, I did see them many mm. times this close, and. It, Nevertheless, he, he's yeah. worth a listen. Yeah, I mean, that's the amazing thing about bluegrass and, and jamgrass and all this stuff is like there are just some great freaking players that right. you've never heard of right. that just like work construction or like do whatever. Uh, well, if Michael Kang has not listened to Chris Thiele, I would I'm, be very, very surprised. I'm Yeah, I, I would be surprised too. But uh, yeah, so Chris Thiele grew up playing in like a bluegrass band called Nickel Creek mm. like uh, when he was a kid. And Michael Daves is a guy from Georgia, and uh, he lived in... They both wound up living in New York City for a while and kind of became friends through the bluegrass community there in New York City and cut this record. And the first time I heard this record, I, it, I had been dabbling in bluegrass, but when I first heard this record, I was like, that is exactly what I want to do like for my band. I want to do that, but I just want to write my own songs. Sure. Uh, I mean, what were they playing? Traditional? Yeah, a lot of traditional, a lot of uh, canonical bluegrass mm. tunes, and 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 some kind of more obscure ones too. Um, How far you've come from wanting to be the 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 punk Philadelphia band at the at the frat house <laughs> right. party? I want to be something different every day. Hey, <laughs> right? Don't I love it. I love it. Yeah. But, uh, but this record, I mean, Michael Daves's vocals are just so great. Like, when I first started listening to bluegrass, the thing I love about old bluegrass from the 40s and 50s is these singers like like Bill Monroe and Ralph Stanley, just, I mean, their voices just pierce you. I mean, it's really not good singing. It's just, <laughs> it's just aggressive. It's loud. It's just like, it's just so cutting, you know, it's almost like hillbilly punk rock, mm. you know, which is why, which is really why I like the, a lot of that older stuff. Um, but Michael Dave's voice, he has that, he has that thing going where it's, uh, old school, it's just cutting. It's biting. He's an amazing guitarist, but his wildness. Chris Thiele is kind of wild in his own way, but he's much cleaner. Mm. Like his playing is a lot cleaner. His singing's a lot cleaner. Like, like he put out a album of just like Bach concertos. So he's a, a much and he's more, playing that shit on the mandolin. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, so he's like he's a much more like kind of cerebral player, I like if you it. will. And Michael Davis is maybe more of an emotional player. If you want to, okay. if you want to, yeah, I like that. If you want to, kind of say that. Um, and they just complimented complimented each other so well. I think Michael Davis brought the wildness, and Chris Thiele kind of brought the uh, uh, kind of more polished, perfect, technically perfect thing. And it just blends together just so well, and they just push each other to like make. I just think this is one of the greatest records of all time. Nice. And I, the the playing the playing's fantastic. The singing's fantastic. The arrangements are really cool if you're into bluegrass music because they take 
these kind of traditional songs you've heard before, but they'll add like another couple extra bars at the end or add like a different chord, just just one, mm. you know? So it's mm. just a little bit different, but it's not totally different. Sure. So it still feels like good old bluegrass, but it kind of... Um, it's 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 just exciting, and they really have this rock and roll kind of punk rock virtuosic. It's like it's like punk rock Bach hillbilly bluegrass. Stuff. Wow, it's just amazing. I mean, it's it's incredible. I, I trust you've seen the uh, YouTube video of the hillbilly version of Thunderstruck. I have, yeah. yeah, yeah. My buddies in Loaded Goat actually like opened up for that band. They came through. I think they played what? the Riot Room. Yeah, really. I, I think that's right. I'll, uh, to call Eddie Crane. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, I wonder um, if you've come across anything uh, that might suggest that they would, you know, reunite for another record. Well, so Michael Daves uh, came to Lawrence a few months ago. Oh, wow. And he played at the Call River Roots Fest, which we played at. Nice. Our band played. And I was so fortunate. The organizer, one of the bookers, a guy named Mike Hanna out there, I've known him for a little while, and he knows I'm a huge Michael Daves fan. And uh, Mike Hanna gives me a call, and he's like, hey, we've got Michael Daves and this, he was playing with this other guy, Jake Jolliffe, who's an amazing mandolinist as well. Uh, but he's like, they're at the airport, and I need to arrange a ride, someone to pick the, pick this dude up from the airport. This guy's like my total guitar hero, you know? I mean, I'm just, I mean, this is like, I just, I love this guy, his, his, his work. And uh, so he called me, and he's like, hey, would you want to go pick him up from the airport? And I was just like, yes. So it was amazing. I got to pick him up from the airport uh, and drive him to Lawrence. And I actually got to drive them back to the airport and got to pick his brain, you know, for an hour and a half and ask him all these questions. And I had a great time. I, th- I think he had an all right time. So, I didn't totally scare him off. He wanted to go. He wanted to ride with me again back hey, to the airport. So I'm just, I, got, I got an Uber. I don't know if you... <laughs> but he was saying that uh, they've kind of tried uh, to get back together. Oh. Um, but it just hasn't really worked out with scheduling. I mean, sure. Chris Steele is just really, really busy. Sure. He's super... He, he took over Prairie Home Companion. Oh, wow. And turned it into Live From Here. So he was doing that for a while and... Uh, he's, you know, w- yeah, worked with like Yo-Yo Ma and okay. like he's just really, really busy. Uh, and um, I think they got together to play like a show in New York City this year Fun. as a fundraiser, but they just, they're, they're, they're both busy and sure. their schedules just don't line up. So if so. this came out in 2011, when did you discover it? Um, It probably was shortly thereafter okay so the better part of a decade you know between you discovering this and giving him yeah. these rides <laughs> yeah. like uh i've thought about this scenario or my version really of it many you, many times really? okay. well if i you know met my musical idol yeah. um and had a window to engage like i i, I think that i would struggle hard to to not yeah. fanboy out right, too much because right. you know 
I think it's it's different if you're like insanely famous, right? Um, yeah, you know. But I I, I think that uh, to some degree, if you're an artist that has fans, um, you know, of course you enjoy on some level hearing, you know, that people respect you and and love right, your work. Yeah. But I think there's probably also a thing where you know you don't you you want to talk about anything but that. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and, and pick topic of your choice, um, right. and, and connect with them on more of an e- even level instead of this, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Well, I mean, for me, it was good because we had actually booked a whole tour one time, Julie and I to go to New York city. Cause he had a jam session. He hosted like Fun. once a month. And we booked a whole tour to go to New York City just to go to this jam session so I could meet this guy. And we jammed on stage. This was five, six, seven years ago or something. We jammed together on stage, and it was fun. And afterwards, he was standing at the bar, and I went to talk to him and was like, he was talking with one of his buddies, and and I was just like, hey, Michael, I just want to say, like, I drove all the way from Indiana to, like, come to this jam and like that record sleep with one eye open changed my life and uh you know i just just want to say i really like respect your work you know and he was like okay cool and then like turned turned around started talking to his buddy again and the bouncer from that chicago bar was like, get out of here <laughs> yeah, dude what are you exactly. doing exactly the bouncer from chicago's like you gotta quit get yeah. back to indiana quit driving all the way from indiana but. it's cold it's getting late but so the second time, so when I had this opportunity to pick him up at the airport, at least I had already botched my first attempt to hang hey out with him. And this time it was like a captive. He was stuck with me in this car. So he had to be nice because I was driving the car. He's like, so. speed limit says 65. Why are you going 30, man? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, but no, it was, it was amazing. We just got to, I mean, we just like talked music. It was awesome. We just talked about like... Uh, he played with this guy Peter Rowan, and we talked about that, and we talked about making this record and the gigs they Peter played. Peter Rowan, I know that name. He played with Jerry Garcia. Yeah, Olden in the Way. Olden in the Way. Yeah, yeah. Dave Grisman. Yep, yep. The, the Shusher. Yep. I saw him. Uh, I saw uh, Grisman Quintet at uh, Tipitinas in New Orleans, uh, and the you know just and it was Sunday night of Jazz Fest weekend, so New Orleans was hopping yeah uh and i remember coming in and, and everybody saying you know uh if 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 the crowd is too loud he he doesn't like it he'll shush you and sure as shit you know third <laughs> third, third song in sh- sh- okay dave's dave's talking to us but did you um that's really cool that you had that experience did you by chance bring up the new york encounter i did i did yeah uh talked with him about it i didn't say he just like blew me off i just said i drove out there and and i was like you don't remember this but i drove out there you were having a moscow show. mule and no. <laughs> right, yeah. you're wearing a flannel had a hole in it. <laughs> right. um, so it was great it was really cool because like you get to meet somebody like that who you really respect and you i was really glad that uh, he was just generous with his time and, yeah. and with talking with me and answering some questions sure. I had and uh, and we just had a good time and like I, I have his like phone number. I was gonna say, did you swap now. pieces of contact info? And, like you know, he's we'll probably never meet again. Right. But it was for me. It was really cool. That's like, awesome. I just 
yeah, it was really, really cool, and I just admire the guy a lot. So. Cool. Uh, so when I said earlier, I think that I connected a dot. Uh, it oh, would yeah. be for number four. So we're going to go from 2011 to 2019. Someday you'll be waiting. Wonder ah, Hills. Wonder Hills. Bloom- Bloomington, Indiana. What's your dot? Bloomington, Indiana is, oh. where, is where they're from. <laughs> yeah. And so I, 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 I saw, and I didn't know that you were from Indiana, but I saw Bloomington, Indiana, and I literally wrote down, do you know them personally? Because it's something about it said... Oh, yeah. Okay. I know these guys. Uh, we went on a tour together. And, wow. Uh, you know, like, you play music and you meet a lot of bands and you meet a lot of people. Um, but I think it's very, very rare that you meet another artist that's running in your circle or on your level that you think is truly exceptional. Mm. It's very rare. I I meet a lot of really good, really good musicians, good groups, good acts, this or that, Uh, but it's very rare that in the circles that I run in, which are just like, we've played, yeah, the lower rung, if you will, that got to start somewhere. I, I find muse acts that are truly, truly exceptional, and that's what these guys are. I mean, I think this album is one of the best albums of the last 10 years. Wow. Or I, I really, really think that. I'm not saying that because sure. they're my friends. Right. I'm saying that. Because I have a lot of other musicians who are friends. Absolutely. And, and, you know, no offense to any of my other friends' musicians, but, like, this is great. And they did this kind of, like, you know, they were able to do a bluegrass thing where they have this bluegrass instrumentation, but their song selection and songwriting and song choice is this, like, college indie rock thing. Mm-hmm. And they and a lot of bands have kind of tried to do some stuff and bluegrass up this or that, but it do, it really doesn't work. Mm. And this was they were the own they are they are still to this day the only band I have ever heard that has been able to artistically make that work. I think Mumford and Sons would disagree with you, but carry on. Mumford and Sons didn't make it work, but like <laughs> not even for a second. No, okay. these guys make it truly work. Like uh, these guys really make it work, and like the first song on here is like one of the best songs ever written. Like uh, it's over, it gets easier as you get older. It's I mean, they're they're so good, and this guy Nick Harley. Oh, he's amazing, and he's still making music under his own name. He just put out two albums this year. Oh, wow. Okay. Which are great. One's called Easy Moon, and one is called Leave No Trace, mm. and they are both just freaking great. And and to me, that's another one of the biggest kind of shames of the music industry. I feel like that it doesn't... And maybe it's like this in everything, and I'm not blaming anybody, but right. it's like the 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 very best stuff doesn't rise to the top necessarily. Fair. You know? 
And like, and I know it's like kind of a platitude, like everybody says that all the time, but, but the, I mean, nobody knows who these guys are and they, this band is, was, I mean, I, they can't really get back together because Diedrich, the, the violinist lives in the Netherlands, Netherlands now. He was studying at the Jacob School of Music in Bloomington okay. <clears throat> uh, when they met up and, uh, uh, Nick's down in Nashville and he was playing with like SG Goodman and like uh, Lily Hyatt and mm. stuff like that. Uh, so he's kind of playing in other bands and uh, some of these other guys I think are just like working at like the Rake Factory research labs or yeah, I don't know what they're right. doing. They're working in Bloomington doing something. And But, you know, it's like I just think it's just sometimes unfathomable that there is stuff that is just so so good like this album that does not uh make it or at least give the people involved i mean this is like to me this album is so valuable i wish that every all these guys involved in making it could like have some real like financial compensation for what they did because they made something truly exceptional this album the album before it was was really good too but this album's even better and you just kind of wish like i mean yeah i mean it's 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 just it's a work of genius this nice. this album is a true work it of just genius. didn't land in the right lap so to speak i guess right i mean like you, you know you need a you need people to promote it yeah. and you need uh you know, I mean, and they they were just guys getting together, having fun, really. I mean, they did some touring and yeah. stuff, and kind of tried a little bit, but uh, to to really get out there, you know, you you need a lot. You need a you need a whole team, and yep. you need to like road dog for a long time, and you need to like meet the right people, make the right connections, and and just. I, I don't know. Sometimes I just think it's just the biggest shame that you make something that's so exceptional and right. so great that uh, it doesn't um, that that's not good enough. Right? You know that that's just not well, good they, enough. Well, this is uh, twelve tracks, roughly thirty-five ish minutes. <clears throat> They've got four releases on their Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you've toured with them. Yeah, we did a little tour together. And yeah. is is the Indiana piece a coincidence then, or? Well, I met uh, Nick uh, when we were Julie and I were on tour, I think, and we'd stopped in Bloomington and we're playing a show and staying with a buddy. And my friend, we were staying with Jeff, not my bro- not to be confused with my brother Jeff, but uh, my other buddy Jeff plays banjo and we were just sitting on his porch just playing some tunes and this dude nick was driving down the street and just stopped and was like hey you guys playing bluegrass he's like i love bluegrass and we're like yeah he's like is it cool if i come and jam with you and we're like yeah he's like okay i gotta go to rallies and get this like burger for my buddy or whatever but i'll be back in like 20 minutes and then uh that's how we met that's how i met this guy and then uh uh, the rest of the band, yeah, and then I met the rest of the guys after that, and I just, I just love this album. I love all these guys; they're just amazing people, and uh, 
Well, it's, so talented. It, uh, it was, you know, uh, beautiful. Uh, it was a beautiful listen, beautiful yeah. cover art. Um, I am, uh, you know, uh, as much as I love this, uh, perfect world, mm. my, my my passion is writing. Mm. So you know, I, I nerd out about language and words and, yeah. you know, episode 94, is, you know, it's... Uh, year i saw my first fish show and uh ah. you know whatever affiliation i can make with the episode yeah. number my brain goes there uh so the album title is beautiful to me someday yeah. you'll be waiting and it's like yeah. you know the like the stand-up comic that you know has a great uh setup and walks you down the path and then completely turns the the joke on its head for the punchline and like you're not expecting that when you start the phrase someday you'll be waiting someday automatically you're you're in that future land and what and then oh so I, i'm i'm waiting to ultimately be waiting like right. I, I think it's a beautiful yeah. title yeah um really good stuff the wonder hills again band camp they've got uh someday you'll be waiting and three others on their if you want to check them out and like how talented these yeah like Nick's playing with Lily Hyatt, Diedrich is in the freaking National Symphony of the Netherlands. Wow, he's like he's like plays violin in the National Symphony. He's like incredible, and uh, yeah, Pete plays in a bunch of different bands, and Ryan's just like yeah, amazing songwriter. This is Connor Grimm, his dad and brother Tim Grimm and uh, Jackson Grimm. They're both great musicians, and they both play out a lot and i don't know i just they're just they're i just they're incredible cool. i could just gush about them forever well um <clears throat> continuing the theme of unique and anomaly uh your fifth record i couldn't find at all oh uh, what was absentee that? ballads ah the uh the los hermanos brothers which yeah, is the, the hermanos brothers well it, it, anytime you pull it up it, it puts all those together which is oh. you know uh your cover you both words are covered in both languages <laughs> but anyway hermanos brothers 2020 absentee ballads i know nothing about it really other than they have uh, a facebook page and appear to be somewhat regional but also maybe do stuff in the northwest Am I am well, I close? Maybe, maybe that's a different band. I don't be. know. Could be. There might be multiple bands called that. So that's that one is a little bit of a, a cheat because that is uh, a band that I play in. I wondered. I wondered. But uh, it's fronted by Howard Iceberg. I don't know if you know Howard Iceberg. He's kind of a local Kansas City songwriter. I, I think the name came up when I was trying to find yeah, so, Absentee Ballads. So he has his main band he played with forever is Howard Iceberg and the Titanics. Ah. And uh, he's like 70, in his mid-70s. Wow. Uh, and he's retired now. Uh, but he's, yeah, just an, just an amazing songwriter. And he is really on par with like John Prine oh man Dylan okay I mean he is of that caliber he's probably written like 1500 songs or something dang and uh, it's yeah his stuff is incredible and I he came to one of our shows and was like hey you know I would you want to get together and do some recording I've got a bunch of tunes and uh, so so it's him and 
Julie, myself, and Chad Brothers, uh, Supermassive Black Holes, and he plays in um, Shapiro Brothers. Mm. Uh, but he works at KKFI. Too. Okay. Uh, but anyway, the three of us kind of just back up Howard. And the way that the format works is we set a time, to a day to record, and we show up, and Howard just brings a stack of like 10 songs he has that we've never heard them, and they're just lyrics uh, with some chord changes, which are sometimes wrong. <laughs> and, and he just gives it to us, and we play through it once. Maybe he plays it once, then we all play through it, and then we record it, and then move to the next one. I love so it. it's it's really raw, really fast, um, and you know Howard has been making music for a long time, and but I really, really think that the stuff he's writing now is the best that he's ever written, and he's you know it's just inspiring. He's like in his mid seventies, and like he's doing his best work. I you know I think. I think he's doing his best, the best work he's ever done. Cool. And uh, it's it's super inspiring to see a true master practice his craft and to be that close to him. I've never been that that close of a friend with that true of a of a craftsman, a true master. And so, uh, you start texting Chris Thiele a little more often, I guess. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, but uh but yeah, so Howard, I mean, yeah, he's he's just amazing. He's a, a wonderful person and uh and these songs are just they're just so so great. A huge variety. He's an amazing his his songwriting's great cuz it's uh has has a wide wide variety. Okay. So, so sometimes he's got one song about like uh Europeans coming to like Hawaii and like introducing disease and oh, like wow. people dying. He's got stuff like that. He's got uh, uh, really funny ones called like uh, "It's a football, it's a penis, it's a gun," <laughs> and he's got uh, you know kind of this these nice sentimental, beautiful love songs. Like this song he wrote, "The Majesty of Love," is like like one of the best love songs ever and uh uh yeah i yeah he's just just truly incredible and getting to work with him on a semi-regular basis has really been like if my music career is a crown like getting to work with him is like the like crown jewel, jewel like, yeah like i just I, I I can't say enough about him. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, we were, uh, you know, essentially strangers two hours ago. Um, but in talking to you, like, you know, your passion for music is palpable. It's very heavy. It's very mm -hmm. obvious. So I'm, I'm, you know, happy that you, for you, that you've had that, been able to have that experience oh, and meet man, him yeah. and work with him. Um, how does one listen to absentee ballads? Uh, it should be on Bandcamp. Is it really? Yeah. Dang yeah. it. It's it's somewhere on Bandcamp. I don't know if it's under Hermanos Brothers or under Howard Iceberg. Okay. Well, shoot. I'll but, have to I'll have to give it a listen after we're done. Yeah, but. it's somewhere somewhere on there, and just you know, they're they're uh, we're recorded in Chad's basement. 
Okay. You know, and we're not super, uh, you know, it's not like high five. I mean, we just got together and ran them through once, but the, but there's something beautiful in the simplicity and, yeah. uh, and uh, the, the freshness of them. And I, I have a really good time with that project too because we record them and I don't really know the songs because like I just like hear them once and I'm just trying to like play and not screw up. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, some weeks will go by and then Chad will mix them down and send them to us and we'll listen back to them and then I kind of like understand them. So I'm like a little familiar with them musically and then I like listen to the lyrics and it's, and I, yeah, my emotions are all wrapped up with Howard because I just think he's uh, just great and I, you know, I, I don't have any family here in India, er, here in Kansas City. Julie's got family here, but all my family's gone, and I, uh, I'm just grateful that I have certain people. Like, you know, I feel like Howard Iceberg is sort of like this incredibly intelligent, like intellectual Jewish grandpa I never had. You know, or, I, or you know, I, 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 I don't have right. here. And right. So, um, uh, and 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 just a, you know, just a guy you just want to learn. Just how to be a human from sure. It's just a just a great one of those. That's and great. It's, it's hard to be love that. that. Great, so, um, so I want to run through your uh, honorable mentions real quick, and so I'm going to give you. Oh man! All right. <coughs> okay, let's. We're doing lightning round. Okay. And yes, but but you know, say what you want to say about them. I didn't look up anything about okay. these albums or these artists or listen to. Mm. So, um, let's see. Comfort to me. Amel and the Sniffers. Oh, Amel and the Sniffers. Yeah, comfort to me. Uh, from Australia, uh, fronted by this amazing lead singer lady. I can't remember her name, but it is like punk rock. Oh boy, mixed with ACDC. Oh, but, but you know, it's like ACDC's from Australia. This band's from Australia. It. It, it is like very danceable but very punk rock and also like this this lead singer lady is like so kind of endearing mm. uh her the like morality of her lyrics is is very uh like heartfelt and genuine cool. <laughs> like cool. like uh you know she uh she has one song that's called Guided by Angels that's like uh, talking about how, you know, that she feels like she's just guided by like, you know, angels that sort of make her do what she does and that like inspire her to like be a good person or whatever. Cool. But, you know, it's also like uh, stuff that's just like, I'm here, I'm trying to have a good time and, and I just want you to leave me alone, dude. Like, just let me have a good time, all right? Then we'll be happy. <laughs> like, nice. And but the music is banging, banging. It's just it's now music. danceable on the same level of Three Dog Night and your mom and dad in the park, or different different universes. Man, you've got you've got a good memory. You uh, bring you bring this stuff back up. I don't have a lot of qualities, but the ones that I do <laughs> stick out. Um, throw down the Wilders. Ah. Kansas City band. Okay. Uh, Betsy Ellis on fiddle. Uh, Ike, Eve, Evie Wilder. 
uh, on vocals, Nate Gowron on bass, uh, Phil Wade on clawhammer banjo, mandolin, and dobro. Dang. And that band, when I first came to Kansas City, and I would go to the Brick on Mondays and go to Rural Grit. Yeah. Uh, and we were kind of doing this bluegrass thing, and everybody I started meeting is another one of those deals where everybody I started meeting is like, oh, well, you know, you need, you need to listen to the Wilders. Uh, like, oh, you, you need to listen to the Wilders. And he like, doesn't know about the Wilders. And I don't know who they were. I didn't know anything about them, and not a lot of people do. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're great. They... They did old like Betsy's, uh, uh, an amazing old time fiddler. Okay. So she kind of digs up these old Ozark fiddle tunes, and and plays them. But the the rhythm section of that band had this incredible groove that was kind of like a driving, almost punk rock. Some people would maybe say Pecan Grove stage five sound from Winfield. Okay. From the Bluegrass Festival yeah. down there. And uh, so that that combination was really cool. There's another band called the Freight Hoppers that are kind of in that kind of just rocking, dry, hard driving, rocking rhythm section behind old time music, which is really exciting. And then uh, you know, Ike's vocals are incredible. Cool, uh, Ike's. Uh, yeah amazing vocalist and um yeah they're they're tough to beat they're lo- local legends and they never play anymore and that album throwdown uh is 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 a great album cool yeah. did you ever by chance come across an outfit called cornmeal mm. i have heard that name before okay i saw them uh at wakarusa before it moved to Arkansas. Um, and they were um, just hanging out uh, outside of, like, you know, however many stages uh, and acts are playing at, at any given point. And it's kind of, you know, uh, the headliner for the, this particular stage is finished and folks are flooding out and there's a, there's a fence. And these folks were just hanging out with their instruments and like, uh, you know, kind of from a, as a pro- approaching on foot and see a little crowd. And, um, as I get closer, I can kind of hear a, a bit of a groove and, and then like whatever, the, whatever's happening over there is like, the sound is really cool. And then, you know, an hour and 15 minutes later it goes by and I'm just standing there and now there's, you know, 150 people just, and it, you know, and then they, I think they ended up having a, a spot, uh, on, on probably one of the smaller stages, uh, at some point that weekend. But, um, I was instantly in love with them and they had a, uh, I believe a female, uh, fiddle player and, and somebody on band. I mean, it was like, you know, I don't know bluegrass to the depths that you do, but to me at that time, and this is many years ago, uh, it was sort of textbook. Like that's yeah. when I want to hear bluegrass. This is what I want to hear. And I don't know that they're still around. And I, I know that they put out a record a couple of years after I saw them, and it was, uh, it was, you know, 
recorded in a studio and so it was a little clean and a little polished and and not that same right there's something about that but i I was like i just can't bottle that right now please um so that was question one question two did i see um winfield on your one of your spots somewhere have you played there yeah we got booked at winfield in 2019 i think we did a outer space bluegrass thing called bluegrass astronauts fun dressed up like i don't know we always do these kind of like stupid theatrical kind of things and uh no but they're not i don't know they're stupid but they're fun we like them yes yes i mean i i say that in and yeah and whatever that way but yeah we we got to play at winfield and play on stage one and that was uh yeah that was a real real highlight that was really special winfield stage one uh airport runs with chris steely are they equal i mean it had to feel cool to be like we're playing winfield yeah well yeah yeah i was with michael daves not chris steely but yeah oh sorry uh, but but uh I don't. I don't know. It, it's all fun, right? Right. I mean, boy, I really. If I would have to choose, I would hate to have to choose. Like, yeah. You know, if if I was in some sort of like sci-fi movie where they were like messing with my brain, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna eliminate one memory. Is it gonna be you going with Michael Daves to the airport, or is it gonna be you playing on stage one at Winfield?" It's like. I'm glad I'm not in that movie. Like, you know, <laughs> well said, like, well said. <laughs> um, Daddy's Country Gold, Melissa Carper. Oh, yeah, Melissa Carper. She was just in town at Knuckleheads. Oh, and, really? And we went there and watched her. Frank uh, Hicks, I'm still waiting for you to do an episode with me, by the way. Oh, Frank, that would be fun. Yeah. I would listen to that. That'd be good. Um, no, Melissa's... Melissa's an amazing songwriter and re- really fun, playful. She's from, I think, Nebraska or something okay. and wound up in Arkansas, played there for a while and then in Austin and then in Nashville. But this, she played in some different bands. She played in Mountain Sprout for a while mm. and um, uh, the Carper Family was another group she played in. And But yeah, her, but this most recent one, her solo album, I don't know if she got on some sort of label or some sort of promotion thing, but whoever she worked with to record this album does so much great justice to her music. Cool. Because a lot of, I think a lot of her older stuff, the fidelity's not really that great. Maybe the, the musicianship's not always quite there, but the songs are great, you know. But this one, like, has it. It, like, really showcases her songs with, like, really exceptional recording, like, wonderful arrangements uh whoever she got to play like the strings on that record are are amazing and she's she's one of these one of these people that is so unique she has a song that's like hey babe would you like to get some goats with me (laughs) and like think about starting a goat farm and it will be milking that goat stirring that cheese all day all night till we please you know it's just uh i love it it's 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 fun and she's so herself cool and that's that's can't ask for much more than that that that's really hard yeah you know like you see some acts that that are really good but they're not you know they're 
you feel like they're on stage maybe you feel mm. like they're trying to they're trying to put on an act and i think i'm probably guilty of this but you know melissa carper is just at least it feels like she is so herself and it's it's just inspiring you know um to yeah just see somebody just be themselves and uh her music's amazing cool and the melodies her melodies are great that's another thing about howard iceberg howard iceberg's melodic intent is is genius hmm. yeah. very nice um aereo hyphen plane john hartford ah yeah that's a kind of a seminal bluegrass album okay he uh that was what some people say was the album that uh, invented new grass, this kind of oh, genre wow. where you took the traditional bluegrass instrumentation, but you wind up playing. Yeah, I mean, he he was in this era, John Harford was a total hippie and like it kind of had this kind of hippie, let's do drugs, granny won't smoke some marijuana type. Uh, stuff that album that song's not on this album, but uh, it's kind of that whole feel and that vibe. Mm. There. Yeah, so really, yeah, that's a cool album where he brings bluegrass into modern times. He kind of sort of like how the Wonder Hills did bluegrass or or did uh, with the bluegrass instrumentation did this sort of indie college rock mm. thing. Hartford was able to take the bluegrass instrumentation and do songs really kind of for the first time that were truly outside of the bluegrass canon. Cool. You know, there had, there had been like attempts before and some people had done it, but it was mostly shticky. Mm. It was mostly like, uh, but, but Hartford was, it was, that album is a, is a cohesive artistic thought, you know, and it's good. Cool. I like that. Um, Digitalist Besser ah, Tokotronic That's another German record Okay yeah. Okay Digitalis Besser Yep Digital is better That's uh, the translation And Tokotronic Man They were A great Great German band uh, A buddy of mine I met in Germany Introduced me to him. They were kind of Sort of doing like a maybe a Weezer kind of thing would be sort of what you could compare it to. This kind of like nerd mm, Gen X kind of rock, alt rock thing, uh, but German. And they have this song, I think, I don't I think it's on that album. I'm not sure. That's uh, called. We're not in Seattle, Dirk. Dirk's the guy's <laughs> name. It's like Dirk, like we're not in Seattle. You can't be Kurt Cobain. Right. Like we're here in freaking Niedersachsen or wherever we're at. And uh their early songs were really funny, mm. uh, really self aware. And I, I like that in in a, in a good songwriting. Uh and that album, Digital Espesa, is pretty lo fi. Later on, their albums get uh, more polished as okay. they become bigger. And they're after they put out this album called Kao OK. And that was kind of the turning point. I, that was kind of like uh, 
af- after that, their stuff really becomes heady and they're trying to be maybe more artistic. But early on, it's kind of like punk hmm. rock and it's kind of sure. kind of uh, funny and kind of, uh, yes, they're just talking about how they're losers and how like they hate the world because everything's better in digital and sure. whatever. Yeah. Like they're just kind of anti everything for the sake of being anti it you know yeah they have one song about like uh on that album the first song is called freiburg which is a city i lived in and it's about uh uh you know everybody says the city's so beautiful and these people are out like old guys are out playing chess but they're just like ah screw this this is lame (laughs) like i don't want you to come and tell me like I, i hate watching you like be happy and ride your bicycle and i hate watching you like read your book and hold like whatever sure just, like quit being quit trying to be so perfect right this is this is stupid yeah. you're stupid <laughs> i love that um did you know anybody that attended the chiefs game in frankfurt or? i had no idea there was a chiefs game in frankfurt oh really I'm so sorry oh no that's okay i hate i'm sorry i'll let you know i'm blair that's okay um they uh the nfl has been adding uh games mm. just one or two a season uh in other countries for the last handful of years mm. and uh sunday before last the chiefs played in frankfurt and so it was an eight thirty a.m kick because of the time really? difference. yeah yeah um just like not this past not two days ago but nine days ago wow yeah they were in frankfurt they were yeah holy cow yeah and it was uh um like I I think it set an all time record for share view viewer share. I mean, it was like ninety something plus, or I mean, it was insane. Huh. The number was insane, and it's like a wow. weird thing because the NFL, the Chiefs have now played in like Mexico, uh, London, someplace else, and now Germany, uh, and so the NFL continues to add. You know, it's reach to its reach mm. uh, but th- it's also happening at a weird time with taylor swift and travis yeah. kelsey and so you know um uh, when i was in ireland in um oh four i haven't traveled much uh I, I but this was i literally you know we literally toured the whole country in a car across 10 days and stayed in a bunch of different towns and oh, cool. one time one time, I mean, people are like Americans. They're like, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> this is a, what, I, right. what, Can you smell me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but well, literally, where are you from? New York? No, it's like that's the one. Right. Uh, and only one time did somebody uh, know or had heard of Kansas City, and they were oh. like, "Oh, the Chiefs." Ah. And I was like, "Get the fuck out of here, really!" <laughs> uh, but now it's like you know the NFL's reach has grown tremendously, and mm-hmm. uh, you know all the Taylor Swift stuff. So I just wondered if there was somebody over there that you know the Chiefs are playing in Germany. Oh, I know Andrew. I should reach out to him. Just I didn't even know that was going yeah, on, well, man. I'm wow. Okay, I, I should have flown out there and right. just watched the game. So uh, <laughs> two parter for you. Um, I gotta believe that you are familiar with Can. No, the band. I I don't know the band. Can. Okay, are you familiar with the genre or or terminology known as Krautrock? 
Not really. No. Okay. Okay. No. So Can is phenomenal. Okay. Um, like German band. Yeah. Okay. Like nothing. I've ever, well, I mean, I, I discovered them you know, better part of 20 years ago and they are just out of this world, mm. trippy, talented, super cool. And it wasn't until I started doing this actually that somebody said kraut rock. And I was like, I, I don't know. Can you say that? It sounds like, you know, but no, it's, I've literally seen it flipping through mm. stacks in record stores little section of kraut rock and i'm like i cannot believe that term hasn't been canceled yet i mean <laughs> i know we're just talking about pickled cabbage essentially but still it's anyway you should check out can all right uh, I'll check out can they're very they're you know there there's some stuff that really really jives with me and there's some stuff that i'm like i can't mm. i can't do that um last but not least and we this so 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 if we reach back to Loretta Lynn as an artist I've heard of mm-hmm. from your list, now we got to go all the way to the end of your honorable mentions to hit the other one, Rubber Factory, The Black Keys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I was in high school, yeah, I was playing a lot of blues stuff. And, you know, being from the Midwest playing blues, it that was kind of a thing. It was like uh, White Stripes were from Akron, Ohio, or not, or White Stripes from Detroit. Mm. Black Keys are from Akron, Ohio. Right. Uh, uh, close to Warsaw in Fort Wayne, Indiana, there was this band called Left Lane Cruiser that was doing... Fort com- Wayne Comets. Fort Wayne Comets, hey, here we go. Yeah. True sports fan. Yeah, true hockey fan. True hockey fan, there you go. Uh, but yeah, I remember my dad had a friend named Bruce, and Bruce was actually a big music head mm. and actually he introduced me to some good music and one he, he would burn me cds from time to time and in his basement he had this incredible cd collection i, I yeah throw this he, in with your cars and devo yeah yeah and he was like he was like hey you gotta you know i heard this listen to these guys and that was the first album i heard was was uh, okay. rubber factory cool and i was like man this is really really cool and i was a pretty big black keys fan for a while because i liked that lo-fi mm-hmm dirty blues thing like that kind of like white guy from the mid from the rust belt midwest yep. trying yep. to do like dirty blues like, like was it brothers was that their one of their earlier brothers was their album that got them the grammy right which then they were like boom but yes. brothers was their like 10th album that's right so they put out like 10 freaking albums and rubber factory is one of the earlier ones okay but okay uh but you know and I just thought their like musical story was amazing too. Like they were just two guys and just like did it for freaking ever. And it wasn't until their tenth album that they like won a Grammy, and then like became like huge. Yeah, you and know? then they can sell out the T-Mobile Center. Right, and right, whatever. But like they were just going around, you know, kind of. You know, I I love those stories of. Sure. of bands like that that started out kind of like where i started out at you know and you can kind of relate to them yeah You're like i played those dive bars i'm putting out like my fifth or sixth or seventh album and nothing's happened and not, but you just keep doing it because you don't have a choice you know you right. just do it because you do it and uh and anyway yeah they it was like their 10th album brothers and then they won the grammy Damn. and then they like i don't know it's like it's cool like for uh, sure 
I, I think that's cool. It's cool to see people have success. And it is. It's cool to see people like do well and, and it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it makes you feel good for them. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, really. Well-deserved really fellas. Right. Good job on the patience part, by the way, too. 10 records. <laughs> well, there's like another guy like Billy Strings that we played with. Yeah. You, you know? played with Billy Strings. Yeah. Yeah. We played with him like in Indianapolis in like 2015 when he was playing with like Don Julin and, you know, like that's a guy who started exactly where we started, played the same spots, slept on floors, like, you know, he did it, you know, he did it, and it's great, like, I'm so, I'm like so, he's like the real deal, you know? Did you, you know? Go see him in Independence and I did. I did not, because we had, we had booked a gig in like St. Louis, like a year sure. in advance, yeah. so like, yeah. whatever, I didn't get to go, but I had a great time, it's another gig, but. Um, but yeah, stuff like that, like, you know, Billy Strings, like, that is awesome, it and is. that's what it's about, and that's like... Kid's got some chops. Oh, he's he's amazing, and yeah, I remember we went out to dinner afterwards, the promoters took us, took us out to dinner, and, you know, we got a cheeseburger, he got a cheeseburger, and he was playing with this dude, Don Julen, I remember Don Julen got this, like, you know, like, someone takes you out to dinner, and you're like, okay, I'll, I'll get like just a hamburger yeah. or something. Yeah. And, you know, just like, yeah, it's like, well, okay, it's $8. I'll get that, you know. So I got a hamburger. Julie got a hamburger. Billy Strings got a hamburger. <laughs> He's playing with this dude, John, Don Julian, who's like, we all order, and Don Julian's the last one. He opens up the menu. And he's like, hmm, I'll have, um, I'll have your like, whatever single barrel top shelf whiskey uh i'll have the fried calamari as an appetizer and then uh bring out the like uh whatever shrimp salad and then uh let's have a uh porterhouse steak i knew you were gonna say and like <laughs> and let's have like a a dessert too i mean he, his his bill must have been like two hundred dollars at this place we went to <laughs> and uh but uh but no i yeah he was uh but anyway it was, it was fun and it was really nice to see i'm yeah i'm sure billy strings does not remember who i am right but like right i saw him a couple times you know around the bluegrass community sure and you know we shook hands and said hey, have you been and, to tell you right so, I've not been to tell you okay. right now. Um, you know, I I went to school uh, just south of there, and it was mm. it's a it's a magical destination for a lot of reasons. You know, bluegrass is always touted as where'd you go to school at Fort Lewis College okay. in Durango. Oh, okay, um, heard of Durango, yeah. And so I have all for years. I walked around thinking like that is the mecca, and then I moved back to KC, and I you know, I know a family that. Uh, pre-marriage, post-marriage, pre-kids, now with kids, they, no matter what, they never miss Winfield. Yeah, yeah. And they yep. are, they're like, Telluride's all right, but Winfield. And I'm like, seriously? And they're like, seriously. Well, Winfield's a really special festival. Sure. I mean, we played at a lot of bluegrass festivals around, and and most of them, they're just a bluegrass festival. But Winfield is so special because it has that this air. Well, first of all, there's a lot of jamming at Winfield. Mm. There's kind of more jamming at the tents 
and the campsites than at other festivals. Cool. Other festivals have have jamming, but there's just a lot of it at Winfield A. And B, the other really special thing is they have the campground stages where that people come and build their own stage in the campground. They call it stage there's four main stages, but then there's stage five and there's stage six, which are not, you know, not build. Not, not official stages. Uh, stage five is now, but anyway, that's a long story. But And there's stage seven, and then there's like fine time stage, and there's stage 2020, and there's like uh, one time there was stage 0.25, and you know, the, like people will put a box out and just like put a sign next to it and say, <laughs> this is a stage. Exit stage left. And then some guys come, like stage seven, they, they have like a whole deal i mean it's huge like it's bigger than this room like they put up this huge big stage they built this huge stage there's no mic you can't have amplification there's no microphone and you just play acoustic on the stage and so all these little bands come up and play on these little punk rock makeshift stages and that's what's really special about winfield like that's and that you that is not I have been to a lot of festivals, and that specific aspect is not at any other festival. Nice. Yeah. Um, two two things uh, before we get you out of here. Um, I need to use the restroom real quick. Before, I do too. Before we, let's let's do that. Okie dokie. We're back. Andrew Morris. We have empty bladders and fresh beverages. Um, and you read my mind. I said we had two things left, and one was, uh, do you want to get out your uh, is it okay to call it an axe? Yeah. Careful with yeah, that axe, yeah, Eugene, yeah. if we want a Pink Floyd reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is, what does that say, Jay Boyd? Yeah, John Boyd is his name. He's a maker here in Kansas City, actually. Very cool. And uh, Yeah, he built this. This is his 10th one. I have his, I bought his very first one he ever built. Whoa. And uh, then this is his 10th one, and it's pretty dang good. I, I It is beautiful. I Can you... Show it to oh, the yeah. show it to the. Oh, I'm sorry, you've Camera got your. There. Yeah, that's, right. that's the back. Very handsome. Get this all up. I'm on the, up. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> take it off. We're <laughs> now. I don't know how this happened, but here's the front. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's yeah, it's beautiful. It's been really good to me. I don't. I I love instruments and uh, don't really ever play a mandolin that I would rather have than this one. So. Um. Now, if you are getting on an airplane, are you comfortable putting that thing in the overhead? Or oh yeah, this okay. could go in the overhead. Yeah, your case is yeah. nice and. Um, I I wouldn't put it down on the cargo, but no, uh, yeah. If it was with me up up top, yeah, it'd be all right. How long have you had it? I've had this for not too long. This is kind of new since. I guess probably about a year. Okay. Is that it? I feel like I've had it forever. But. Now, um, I know all instruments are different and unique, but relatively speaking, will a mandolin keep a tune the same length of time that a, a six-string acoustic guitar would? Or yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. What do you? What's uh? What's what's on? What's on your mind? Uh, I was thinking about doing this, uh, maybe this little instrumental tune. I've been getting into writing some instrumental numbers. Uh, 
And this is kind of just kind of a pretty one I wrote for uh, our, my friend Aisha, who does uh, pottery. Oh, cool! And I didn't uh, have a birthday birthday present for her, so I just wrote the song okay. instead. So maybe maybe do some of this action. Let's do some for, of this action. So there you go. Yep. This is, maybe, maybe I can actually stand up. This might be a little bit better. So okay. I can get it positioned right. All right, here we go. This one, Aisha does pottery. This is one called Aisha's Pottery Wheel. It's just an instrumental tune, but it's kind of pretty. So, I, the it has two parts, and the A part, I was trying to get you know like you see a pottery wheel kind of goes around and around. It's this is slow, but maybe you can kind of hear a little bit of this sort of circular motion going on. Cool. So, Let's hope I don't screw it up. Here we go. Nice, very nice. I had a had a couple flubs in there, but uh, we made it through. You and only you noticed. <laughs> Thank you, Aisha's Pottery Wheel, Andrew Morris. You can only hear that here. That's, That's not right. recorded no, anywhere. Right? I don't think. I think Aisha's the only one, and maybe a few others have, that have heard that. So. Did you send it to her digitally on her yep. birthday? Yep. That's yep. very cool. No, no, I think I actually just played it for her. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Very so, nice. That's cool. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for bringing that. I'm, you, you know, even if you would have just gotten it out and shown it to me, I, I feel yeah. uh, blessed. But, yeah, it's uh, great. I love it. I, yeah, I just play it, play it every day, and it's great, great mandolin. And, um, yeah. Match Sellers uh, has, stuff on Bandcamp. Yeah, we have Match Sellers have I think four full lengths and I did one we did one um kind of EP of instrumental tunes. Okay. And then I have one Andrew R. Morris 
solo album that I did that's like electronic beats and with like banjo and cool and mandolin and stuff on there too. Very nice. Um so when you have uh gone to record those projects, do you always go to the same spot? Do you have different spots? Oh, it's been different spots all okay. the time. Uh at the beginning, the first album, we just kind of some of our really early stuff that's not even online anymore. I just recorded, and then we recorded some with this guy, John Autry, for our first album. Okay. He works with, uh, that was in Indiana, and he works with uh, Laura K. Balky. She's also an artist in Indiana, and he did some of that. Our second, actually, our second album, I recorded uh, Songs We Made Up. I recorded, and then. Is that the title? Songs We Made Up? I love it. Yeah, because there's an old-time fiddler named Lyman Enlow who is from Kansas City. He's passed away now. But um, he put out a kind of an important old-time fiddle album called Fiddle Tunes I Recall. And I just thought that name was pretty funny. And so I, so we did an album called Songs We Made Up. And I recorded that one. We did a single mic, set up a single mic, and... Uh, had Matt Hawkins play banjo, Chris DeVictor play bass. And we set up in like Julie's parents' apartment and I put the microphone down and we had taped off like when you took a solo, you're supposed to step up to this like piece of tape that I had taped off so that you would it would mix properly mm-hmm. and then step back and so forth. So that was pretty fun, and that album turned out pretty good. And Johnny Kenapaski in Independence, he mastered that. Uh, he's got Dark... I want to say Dark Shadow? No, Dark... No, 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 no. What is it? Dead Horse Sound Company is the name of his... his uh, deal. So he did that one, and then Blue Grastronauts was our third album, and Chad Graves down in Springfield, Missouri, he recorded that. And played on it uh, along with Betsy May, and then our instrumental album was kind of a pandemic project, which I just kind of recorded and tracked and mixed and mastered it all. And then we had um, my solo album I did with this guy Burke Sullivan, who's an electronic artist in Indiana, and he mixed it, and we had. I had somebody else master it, and then but this most recent one we did with Clark Wyatt here in Kansas City, okay, and he just killed it. He's uh, that was the easiest recording process I've ever had was recording with Clark. He's just a really really great, made it sound wonderful, and a guy at the Boiler Room in Chicago uh, mastered it. Clark Wyatt has a spot here. Yeah, yeah. We did it at his house. Okay, okay. At his house. Uh, but he also works sometimes with a couple other... I can't remember if it's... Uh, it's not Element Recording. What's, uh, maybe... I, I don't know. He, he sometimes works in other studios, okay, too. Okay, cool. Um, so... You guys, you and Julie, having this seven-year 
pocket where you were on the mm. road performing, yeah. lear- learning a lot of things on the fly, I would guess. Um, and, and so now for the match sellers, do you want to put that somewhere yeah. where you can be comfy? No, that's right. I'm just trying to move this chair up. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I would. So, is it safe to say that the two of you wear most of the hats as far as band responsibilities, i.e., booking recording time, booking gigs, uh, promotion, yeah, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I gotta believe to contact venues and try to book gigs is easy or easier for you now than it was. Oh but, yeah. I mean, that had to have been some really great experience that hardwired, you know, some valuable lessons into what would be your future as a musician, right? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a lot easier than it used to be. Um, I mean, we've always done everything ourselves. Uh, you know, now that we're not totally full-time, it's, uh, I mean, that's been good. It, you know, we in 2020 it was very fortunate we kind of decided okay uh you know we were doing so much touring i mean we were just living out of this car and like it just it didn't really feel like you were really getting anywhere and uh it, it was just really hard it's fun it's fun for a while it's fun for a long time and it's still fun we still love to tour you uh, still have grandpa's truck though do you no no, no. we have a 2009 kia rondo now <laughs> so <clears throat> but uh you know it, it turned out to be good because in 2020 we just kind of decided you know this whole we we need to make a change you know we just can't live like this sleeping on couches forever right you know uh so it was fortunate because it was 2020 and if we had booked all that stuff in 2020 it all would have been canceled right. so that was f- lucky for us we didn't put in all the work right and then it all got canceled like on some of our friends um but it was it was a good break uh you know i think um yeah, we, yeah, we want to we want to keep the band going for sure, but just you ju- you just can't. That's just a really hard way to live. Yeah, you of know? course. And uh, easier when you're younger. Yeah, yeah. The older you get, the harder it yeah. gets. And um, so yeah, we've been a band now for ten years. Um, Congratulations! That uh, is no small milestone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been hard, you know. I mean, it, we've had disagreements, and we've had. Uh, you know, different people that can tour at certain times and people sure. that can't. And everybody's got stuff going on. Everyone's man, got know. stuff going on, and there's not enough money to go around. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we had some big, big gigs, which were really fun. You know, we got to play Mountain Stage on NPR, and like 250 radio stations played that wow. show, and that was really cool. And uh, was 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 there stuff on Bandcamp when that happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then after it did happen, did you was there a visible uptick and Yeah, we had some people that would start coming out to shows that cool. we were playing that were just like and of course, you know, gigging when you're touring full-time, gigging's weird because you have to play all the time to make money. So 
you wind up playing like really great, incredible gigs and then just terrible gigs, yeah. you know? Uh, and so sometimes it's kind of weird because people come up. I remember, I specifically remember in Ohio, we were playing in the back of this like pizza joint and like it was after we played Mountain Stage, this like there were like thousands of people there after we played this huge, huge show. And uh, like, I just remember this like one guy came up to, to us after the show and was like, man, I heard you guys on Mountain Stage and that was like the greatest thing ever. Like I just had to, and I couldn't believe you were going to be here in Beaver Dam, Ohio or wherever the, wherever we were. And uh, so I just had to come out to the show and, and I just remember thinking like, Man, that's just kind of like a letdown for this guy oh. to watch us, you know, cuz But he he was, sounds like he was speaking with joy in his heart too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I think he was happy to see us, yeah. you know, but kind of as a performer sometimes you always want to at least I always want to give the audience like a good experience, sure. you know. And sometimes you just need a gig cuz you're it's a Tuesday yeah. and you got to get from point A to point B and if a pizza place will pay you 300 bucks or 200 bucks or whatever or just give you a piece of pizza, pizza yeah <laughs> and a place to crash like then that's better than nothing right and so that's the reality and so i just remember thinking like man I, I wish this guy could see us at like a really good venue you know like a really good show sure uh so anyway yeah now we're trying to do doing a slightly different strategy maybe if if you can even call it that. I don't know if we've ever sure. really had a music strategy, but like, but now it's kind of like we have like a following in certain areas. Cool. And so people will come out to shows. Uh, so we're trying to just utilize that and maybe just try to play, you know, in areas where we can draw some people just like a couple times and then maybe hopefully, hopefully people will come out and watch us. And then, um, uh, and so far that's been going pretty good. This, this year has been a good fun year. It's really fun like that. Cause you can put on big shows. Like we've just put on some big, big shows at the Warwick theater, uh, with Kelly hunt. And we had a couple hundred people come out for that. And we put on this, uh, I like doing weird shows in DIY spaces. So we did one at uh, this, like the Croatian church on Strawberry Hill. They okay. have like a bowling alley in the back. Okay. So we like played in this gym and there was like Croatian food and bowling downstairs. And that was like crazy fun. We just did the show with this band Front Porch from Arkansas. That's They're so good at uh, this warehouse. And that was there. I was a crazy show. Did they play Lemonade Park with uh, Whiskey Mash in May? They might have. I feel like that sounds familiar. They might familiar. have. Yeah. Well, I you know uh, I don't want to suck away what's left of your evening, but you know having never uh, walked in in the musician's shoes, the notion of uh, recording and the relationships that you have with the people in that space and then if you have somebody that's mixing it and, mm. and then you know contacting live venues and then you know doing your social media stuff and yeah. and filling merch orders on bank all the things are appealing to me um sometimes uh, they probably feel less appealing than others to you as the the party is responsible for all that but it's it's hard not to uh d dive too deep because mm. i'm 
I'm fascinated by it. I mean, sometimes it's cool. Like sometimes it's fun when you get an email from some guy. Like we got an email, or we got a message from this dude who's like, "Hey, you want to play this? Come play this castle in Germany?" And it's like, "Yeah, <laughs> like that's amazing." Who like, says no to that? Like you know, like those emails are fun. Yeah, you know, it's like it's the emails where you're like, "Okay, we gotta get to Indiana." on january 20th and it's a 10-hour drive and i need to play somewhere in between here and there hopefully we can make money or find a place to stay you know all that stuff gets a little Daunting. stressful yeah when it's just julie and i touring the two of us it's a little bit easier and you guys don't have pets or kids no, or anything that yeah, needs yeah. to be tended to you can just lock up and yep. hit the road yep nice so that's good but yeah, if we have like our whole band, you know, like I need to make sure that it's worth everyone's while to come because they're leaving family. They're like, you know, they have another job, you know, that maybe right. that they need to do and can make a lot more money. And so, you know, and they have partners and, you know, it's it's just it's just a big commitment yeah. for everybody. And I you just got to try to be respectful of that. And just, to, you know, like at some level, I just also think, this year something like clicked in my mind where I was like, you know, it's just a miracle that people will get together to like do this band. I mean, there's like not a lot of money in it. It's like you got to cram in a van for like 10 hours sometimes. Like, and for what we're doing, you know, it's, you know, it's, we're not playing red rocks, you know, like, uh, we we play some cool shows and have fun and but maybe that's your musical strategy is be respectful because you you respect your in- instrument and the craft that went into making it you get it out every day you know you're uh, engaged you're performing you have people who have lives in your circle that you know you you are respectful of and, yeah that's a, that's another thing I think a lot of times or at least I try to do as an artist is like when someone comes to the show. I try to respect their time and the fact that they like took time out of their day and like a lot of times paid money to come. Yeah. And it's like, man, they could do anything else in the world. And I just like, don't want to like waste their time. You know, I really hope they have a good time. If they don't, you know, you try your best and you can't please everybody. And you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I want, uh, I, I, I try to do that. I don't sure. always succeed, but you know, you try to try. You know, if trying's not a hundred percent of it, it's ninety nine point nine, right? Yeah. That's you know, you, yeah. you want to put put good product out there, good vibes, good energy, good intentions. Yeah. So, um, across, yeah. I like to wrap with what I call five funny finishers. Oh, a series of right. goofy questions. Okay, let's do this. Um, you've got you have assembled uh, your top three bucket list top three things on your bucket list and you've been given all the necessary resources to do all three what are you doing first okay i got three things on my bucket list mm-hmm. to do your, well your bucket list is 10 or 20 things but the the, the top three are non-negotiable those are your favorite favorites and you've been given the resources to do all three which one are you doing first okay the very first thing i want to do is we live in kck is by this big house that's falling apart right next to us that all these like different like out of state property p- 
people have like bought up and not done anything with. And this house is just falling apart. I mean, there's like a groundhog living in there. And like, I would buy that thing and like totally redo it. And then I'd be able to put like, uh, like a recording studio practice space and my workbench so I could work on instruments. And uh, we could have a little uh, guest space for friends, bands, when to they're crash. coming through, they can crash there. That would be. There got, you got to. Got, there got to be a, a front porch stage-ish kind of situation, venue of sorts as right. well, right? I mean, I feel like that's only got to be, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. So right. That's, right. Anyway, but no I would. Ass. I would love that because that that house. I mean, like, I just hate when these people come in and and like buy this property right next to you, and then they just like let it fall apart. Oh, that's weird. And like, it's it. It, 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 and like I, I really wouldn't care so much if it just wasn't like just affecting me like they kind of tried to fix it up and they like installed a like a air conditioner in our yard and I was like dude what are you doing and this guy was like oh sorry and then like I don't know they, they like no one they like don't take care of the backyard which is okay I don't care I don't really take care of my yard <laughs> but like it like there's like poison ivy back there that like grows over our fence and like I have to like try to like take care of it. Mm. I got like poison ivy all over myself. Anyway, now I'm just getting into like right. my my I neighbors. Like, I so. like it though. That's very cool. I would. That's a very uh, admirable. So that's uh yeah that would be amazing. I would love to do that. I would really like to figure out some way to truly like sustainably fairly like support artists in some kind of uh some kind of fashion i don't i don't know exactly what that looks like i have to do some more thinking on it but i would like to have some kind of entity or some sort of fund where that would help truly help people like me when we started out find uh resources help help musicians find freaking places to live that are affordable uh you know help you figure out some of the business aspect of things uh hey hey man you can actually charge this much money if you're playing this gig like uh you know don't sell yourself short you know kind of some of that stuff that i really wish i had a mentor or someone to tell me that when we started because uh, it was it was not good for a long time. I would really like to do that. Um, and I don't know. Third thing, I wish I could just like go back to Germany a lot because I, I love I love Germany. <laughs> I love go. the food and well, if you ever friends with me, find yourself in the situation where number two can be a reality. I mean, consider reaching out to Patrick. Okay. He would probably yeah. be somebody to, if nothing else, idea swap, brainstorm, and maybe he would even be supportive if they had the capacity. Um, you get to have lunch with anyone of your choosing, dead or alive. Who and why? <laughs> okay, anyone of my choosing, dead or alive, who to have lunch with. You know, I think... A very interesting person to have lunch with 
Oh, no, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of a bunch of people. Mo- mostly dead people. I think alive people are kind of lame. Yeah. Cuz like yeah. but like if you're dead that's that's cooler. Um <laughs> it, it, like it would be really cool to like just talk with somebody who lived like a really long time ago. Right. Like somebody from like ancient Greece or something like talk to Marcus Aurelius or Maybe not. Uh, he's like more modern, but even older than that. Like sure. talk to like Diogenes or something. Like, uh, it's just just like what is life like? Like, yeah. what do you people do? You know how do how do you live? I would also love to talk to, uh, like the just some old family member. You know, like five, ten generations back, a grassroots uh, twenty-one and me. What are you? Or, <laughs> right. What? Are you, what's 23 it? Twenty-three and me. Twenty-three and me. Finding your roots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be really cool to talk to. I, I've I've been really fascinated with this. You know, I don't have any. I don't have any kids, but I've been like interested in this thought of like your bloodline, which is you know uh weird that y- you feel like you have this kind of connection to your family or at least i feel like this i have this connection to my parents and my grandparents and and i even knew a couple of my great grandparents and y- you know there there it's it's just insane to think that I'm here only because my great 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 grandpa didn't get like typhoid fever or or TB didn't die of tuberculosis. Right, like, he could have very well died of tuberculosis, and I wouldn't be here. And that's like, if something had happened to my parents, like one of two things: they got in a car crash, I wouldn't be here. Okay, that's just two people. That's odds are pretty good that they're gonna make it. But then their parents, that's four people. And then their grandparents, that's eight people. If anything happened to one of those eight people, I wouldn't be who I yeah. am today. Like, I wouldn't be here. And that's, and then you go back and that's 16 people and 32 people and so on and so forth. The further back you go in your family tree. And the fact that there are so many people, I mean, there's like tens of thousands of people that have lived and if like one little thing went wrong in their lives, like you wouldn't be here. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that recently, like how just absolutely nuts that is. And uh, anyway, it'd be interesting to just like talk to one of those sure. people in somewhere. Cause obviously some of them are probably douchebags and some <laughs> of them are terrible. Uh, but you know, it it's that, that whole bloodline thing's interesting in a certain way. It's kind of like your, country that you're from yeah you know like i go to germany and it's like i'm an american and i don't like everything that america does or everything that america stands for and but but uh i can't help it that that's who i am you know you can't you can't change it right um louis ck stand-up comic mm. has a uh an interesting bit about um there were 44 I believe it was 44 or 42 family members of his uh, Jews in Hungary. 
during World War II, and uh, maybe it was Poland. Either way, um, the uh, let's just say it was Hungary, and he's like, we, you know, um, all all of those family members of mine went to a concentration camp except for one, and. Hungary wasn't even occupied. They were like, take our Jews. And so he's like, everybody but my great, great grandfather, like, you know, went to a concentration camp and were killed. And he saw it coming and got the fuck out of there and went to Mexico. And he's literally the reason why I'm alive. Yeah. You know, and it's like, wait, what? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, of course, that makes sense. But to hear a statement like that is really bewildering to, just one tiny pivot from this school of fish, if you will. Uh, and the bloodline for him anyway, lives on. It didn't for a lot of people, but yeah. it's, it's nuts. Yeah. I mean, life is just so incredibly fragile and, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really just a, tr- it's, I just think it's just a miracle that, that any of this exists yeah. and that we're here and it doesn't have to exist like this, you know? Right. Like, it could exist any other way, you know? Like, we don't have to be sitting here talking about this. We could be doing whatever. Right. You know? Uh, But I'm glad we're here. It's it's fun, so. Anyway, the next question. uh, You can visit your past self at any age of your choosing. What age are you choosing, and what are you saying? Oh, man. Oh, that's a hard one. What a stupid question. You said they were dumb questions. And man, goofy. You, I said goofy. Man, well, you did say they were dumb. Man, this is a dumb question. Yeah, if I could go back to a younger version of myself uh, and say something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or maybe yeah. maybe you're just observing. I don't know, but. Yeah. I guess, um, I guess I'd like to. There's so I had so many great times in my life. I'd like to go back to a lot of them and just relive them again. You know, like, you're doing good. Like, uh, do a kickflip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not that kickflip, yeah. <laughs> Easy, Tony. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe maybe when I was living in Germany and was doing this ambassadorship thing i had a boss who was just terrible and there's nothing i could have really said to myself because i like had to fulfill this contract or else i was like leaving the country uh it's just like stuck in a bad work environment and i guess i wish i could write the very first time i met that lady who became my boss who was just awful I wish I just, I was trying really hard to, you know, like, be a good, good, like, hey, I'm going to work, I'm ready to go, like, let's do this. I worked with many different teachers, but this one this one lady in particular was just the bane of my existence, and uh, I, I was just really trying to, like, show her that, like, no, like, like, I'm here to work, I'm here to try hard, I'm ready to do this. I wish I could just tell myself, like, hey, man, this, like, no matter what this you say, ain't this, worth is, it. this is... Just give it up. Right. Like, that was terrible. That, nice. that would have been fun. Complete this for me, if you would, please. Mm. The world would immediately become a better place in which to live, if only. If only 
everybody had a decent place to live. I mean, let's Great just answer. be real. Yeah. If only everybody had a decent place to live. Right. The Very world nice. would be a lot better place. I like it. Yeah. Um, are you, uh, do you recall that there was at one time a show called Fear Factor? I do recall, okay. yeah. So what would be the absolute worst Fear Factor scenario for Andrew Morris? I just, I hate, I hate all that stuff. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I think I, I do too. I don't want the snakes. Nope. I you know, we had a cicada in our house, and uh, I don't like it. They're ugly. They're they're terrible. Don't want it. Had a mouse. Don't want it. Get it out of there. Yeah, I'm uh, with you. You know, I don't want to eat pig brains. <laughs> right. Not my thing. Right, right. I don't want any of it. Okay. Just get it out yeah, of here. Get it. My worst put, put it all in the house next door. My worst fear factor scenario is any fear any, factor scenario. Well said. Well said. Just get me out of there. Now, I don't want to do it. Now with that, that was number 5 and it gets you off the hook, but I pulled uh one oh. that's been heavy in the rotation. Mm. But I want to stick it back in here right, sort of ad lib. Now. To do this, you have to use your imagination. Okay. You are not a musician. Okay. You are a music fan. Mm. You buy and stream music. You see shows. You're you you read up. Um. It is. This is true or false. It is okay and acceptable to wear the T-shirt of the band whose show you are going to. True. It's true. If you if you're a music fan and you buy that T-shirt and there's like. And that band's coming through town, and you want to freaking wear that shirt? You wear that shirt. You okay. do what you want to okay. do. All, all right? right. Fair enough. Now, that's yeah, that's my opinion. I think if you want to have a good time, and if that's your way, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. But if you want to do it, and that's your way of having a good time, I'm not here to tell you you can't have okay. a good time. Yeah, you're not trying to yuck somebody's yum. I'm just exactly. I'm not trying to yuck somebody's yum. There you go. <laughs> um. So. Um. The Match Sellers Facebook page, thematchsellers.com. Mm -hmm. uh, one can find the things one wants to find about the outfit yep. at one of those places. Um, we're on Instagram, too. Okay, yeah. there you go. Um, anything else that we're leaving out? I think that's kind of the main stuff. Okay. So. I think uh, the Cheeto Flow may be who told me to reach out to you. Cheeto Flow? The Cheeto Flow. Uh, Ian Hollowell. I don't. I if I know this. If I know Ian, please edit this out. Okay, <laughs> maybe I just will anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you very much. Huge chunk of your Tuesday evening. I'm very grateful. You came over from Strawberry Hill, sat in my basement with me, and chewed the fat about music. Uh, it was Thanks. very exciting to learn all of the places you've been and the things that you're into and. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best, and maybe we do this again sometime. Thanks. Likewise, I really appreciated the interview. It was good. Thanks for letting me yak for a long Absolutely. Time Thanks for fun. bringing your instrument so. and p taking it out and playing a piece for us. That was very special. Anything for you, Blair. Ah, thanks, man. All right. See you. <laughs>